Hey there. Before we got started, we want to say a quick thank you to our host, Muse on Minis. For years now, Muse on Minis has been the industry leader in beautiful, high-quality tabletop accessories. From tokens to widgets to terrain and more across a wide variety of games, Muse on Minis has everything you could possibly need to complete your tabletop wargaming experience. Head to MuseOnStore.com to see what new innovations the fellas come up with next. That's MuseOnStore.com. Musing and amusing accessories for every gamer. Now on to the show. Welcome to Full Tilt. I'm Chris. And this is I'm my Jesse. co-host, Jesse. Yep, yes. thanks, Jesse. We've only, we've only, like... Uh, okay, <laughs> Nigel. We've only just yeah. started this. <laughs> and we have a special guest today uh, from another cast from Australia, uh, Brian. How are you going, Brian? Good. How is everyone? Great. Not bad. Shaking off the rust as it was. It's been a while <laughs> since we podcasted. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what a train wreck I would like to trip. say we've definitely had worse true we have we actually have a retake on this one um, but yeah well it's the four of us today uh, apparently Steve can't join us today so you, and, yeah and in addition he did a cast without us and obviously it was a cast on some topic that seemed really deep and philosophical which I'm pretty sure Nigel was on he's our inside man on this one <laughs> so we decided what we're going to do is do our own cast on list building and nonsense with blackjack and hookers. Yep. If fight isn't a reason to podcast, I don't know why Dark Guidance even exists. <laughs> because of spite. <laughs> Legitimately because of spite and the C- minus rating on a sepulcher. <laughs> Which is utterly infuriating if you've ever di- played against a Mark II sepulcher fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Boots Mechanothralls. Was it, was it supposed to be good, right? <laughs> it, it was quite good, yes. It was, in yeah, fact, I'm... very good with, uh, I don't know, Dark Guidance, in fact. <laughs> and other <laughs> things like, say, Scar One's feet. Oh. Or many feats, in fact. <laughs> yeah. So we figured we'd talk today about, uh, to start us off with, basically, not just necessarily list building, but more list construction, design, and refinement, as well as the things that, what you're looking for when you actually play lists in order to make better lists and improve your play in general. Things like, say, how what a clock sinks, like things that you just cause you to shit time and like lose it. Because it's all well and good to copy paste like the most dumbest circle list you can find, which has won literally every tournament it's played in, and then trip over your balls and just clock yourself out and feel like an idiot, and then go back to the forums and complain that Circle actually isn't that OP, and that Kruger Zero is just fine, guys. Just don't pay attention. She, your stuff dies to everything. It's all balance. Wow. Who said that? <laughs> I don't know. Circle players probably. People on different people on different Discord channels definitely. I'm sure. <clears throat> they will not be named. You know them. You love them. You find them entertaining. <laughs> anyway. Nidal, do you want to just go over that list we kind of chatted about in the, in the pre-ramble, I guess? A list? Of, like, yeah, all the topics? Was, no, just the, just the one you, you went through, the, the five points. The, the things to focus on practicing? Yes, 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 yes. We can start there. Alrighty, well, um, basically... So, 
a, like a, a conversational thing with like uh, people in my social groups, just in person or online or whatever. It hasn't even really been a podcast. I mean, I think I've brought it up on podcasts before as like a as a as like a reference, but uh, anecdotal experience I have is people who complain of like, I just I'm too busy. I can't play enough games. I don't I like the games. I like, got too much. There's too many models. I can't like know everything. I don't have time to put in to be like a pro. And then also, you know, like they'll say it's like too competitive or whatever. Um, and then my eyes kind of glaze over when I sort of hear this. And then I was, you know, playing recently and realizing like, that's just stupid. <laughs> like you, th- you know, like they totally, it, it's missing the, I actually had a, like a bunch of points kind of on this um, that will hopefully come back to me over the com- conversation. But playing is like, there's so much things more important than like knowing what every model releases that it's like, you could easily be competitive if you just had like the core fundamentals, people don't even know like what the fundamentals is. Even if you talk to like a competitive person, a lot of times like they won't be like self-aware. They'll sort of like that, you know, their focus isn't even on, uh, you know, being able to play fast, unpacking your own army list. Um, manipulating scenario manipulating terrain um those like things i think they just take it for granted that they know how to do it and then they you, you watch them play i've been watching people play war table games and i'm just like holy crap these guys are going to be in the wtc <laughs> like this fall you know like this my head's exploding right now um so also why but, you don't see a lot of podcasts talking about it right because they don't yeah. think about it anymore yeah I think it's just super important. Also, it actually, if you learn those, if you learn those first four things, it you'll find that it starts to inform your listing. Like, you know, mm. uh, Chris played Stalingrad, and Stalingrad's kind of tough. It's t- it's tough two ways. You have to the onus is on you to play it fast because there's such a bunch of models you have to deal with. But also the onus it's kind of like uh, Madrak three lists that are spamming Creole warriors. It does force the opponent to in response also have to deal with way too many models that are tough or whatever so it's like you know it's, it's sort of like a you're changing it's almost like adding an extra scenario element which is um who can negotiate all these models faster will win um <laughs> and that which is an interesting but like you know if you make a list that you know stalingrad is an interesting one because um you don't necessarily have to do meaningful activations with all of them you can just like run and just put them in place and you don't lose out too much. Whereas like other lists you might take like that are like two units mage hunter strike force and like a bunch of badass stuff and you're just spamming a bunch of ret models and then you realize or you know like Legion could do it or uh a Kador players could do it with other stuff. Like they just can't activate. I mean, hell, I was doing it. I had like just two units of Doom Reavers and I was having a hard time chewing through Grimkin. I was like, oh my god, this is like and a just nightmare. two units of Doom Reavers, right? Those are rookie numbers. Yeah. Like, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, it's like, yeah, 13, 14 models, and um, I'm chewing through uh, two units of uh, whatever those stupid pumpkinhead dudes are, and I'm just, like, taking, like, half-hour turns. <laughs> Douche rots. <laughs> yeah, Douche rots. Learning, uh, yeah. And, like, learning saw, a gun line usually feels longer to, to play through than running through a melee army. Yeah. The most... Powerful rule in Stalingrad, and by far the best rule is yeah. combined range attack. It's so yeah. good. Like it saves just, so much just, time. Just do a six-man C rat with your rifles. Just fucking pick some dude and shoot him in the face. Your Winnegard infantry. Just C rat everything because it's say all the time. Like set up your really nice sick charges and sprays and whatever. But the best thing to do is just generally speaking, turn by turn, pick a model, C rat in the face. 
It means that you're probably rolling anything but double ones to hit it, and you're rolling a bunch of damage to kill it. Your main clock drain then is just adding up the numbers quickly. And then telling your opponent, because they might not believe that your power is actually 17, 19, or whatever number you say. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just treat the unit like a solo. <laughs> Basically like a like a bl- amorphous blob of a solo, yes. Um, it is actually a thing, because it is actually a good point, is like, one thing with practice in general is that your practice should be able to carry over to other lists. So you learning to unpack two units of Deem Reavers, congratulations, Nidal. If you are able to streamline that, you can now play it, do that with four units of Doom Reavers because you know what they sort of do. You can do it with different casters because say your caster adds something to that dynamic, you know how that changes things. So for instance, if you, what were you playing the Doom Reavers with? Old Witch, right? Uh, I was playing with Butcher 3, and unpacking them wasn't actually at issue. What is at issue was, like, um, applying them. two Void Archons. That wasn't an issue, too. They just got were playing a sprinkler, but I had, like, two Void Archons. Um, I, I just had, like, dealer's choice of crazy threats. And then I've got, like, three units of Turnians, two Colden Lords, the Void Archons, Butcher 3 himself, uh, two Jacks. I got Ruin and a Demolisher. You've got, like, all these tools, and they're all, like, relevant. And so, you know, you're trying to peel the onion, like your brain is like, um, you're getting like greedy and you want all the things. That's like the, really the big problem is like you, yeah. your brain, your brain will fry and you'll, uh, start trying to be like, how do I like min max and get like this max value turn? Just like knock it how off. I, just charge. Yeah. How do I hold all onto all these lemons? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like. That one though, you, once you start doing it, you start. If you once you start practicing, you start working, working out which are the best ways of doing those things. Uh, what are your actual failure points? For instance, like you just say, throw your Doom Reavers in there. You get what feels like an optimal activation. You turn around and look and go, actually, I didn't have to do this part. These models would have died if I just charged them with Ruin. Ruin would have been safe because Butcher's right behind him. So even if Ruin dies, right, you've got Butcher to clean mm-hmm. up. And if Ruin doesn't die, you're in a good spot. And then you're thinking to yourself, like, fuck it, I needed these Doom Reavers sitting in the zone over here so I don't fucking lose on, like, I give up a cheeky scenario point. We can end this game faster. Yeah. yeah. Yes. A lot of the practice, like, we people go into a lot about what's in the list, like, in huge details. And look, sometimes it does matter. Like, it is kind of important if you're playing against a, a Thamorite or a Death Archon to play against it and know what it does. Okay, cool. Keep up with the local meta. Know that if you get in threat range of, say, a Warp Wolf, you're probably going to lose the model, but also, <laughs> like, how do you effectively counter it? Um, you know, that sort of thing. But that Warp Wolf could be anything. It could be a freaking, I don't know, Kozlov, Furied, Gangfighted, Heavy with approximately infinity damage and infinity armor and whatever, right? It just, it changes. It changes based on faction, it changes based on time of day, and changes based on meta. Like, if look, sometimes, honestly, a skinny boy, a skin and moans, does roughly what, like, a lot of circle heavies do in a very similar fashion. You just gotta, like... But the practice you'd have against said circle heavies is applicable to when you're also playing into other things. And I think also, obviously, there's differences between how do you play in infantry. I think, though, one of the big clock pressures that people don't necessarily think about a lot is how do you deal with specific problem situations, like either when you get jammed, you get jammed by different things, or when you have to use your units suboptimally, 
and how do you do so? Because that's when people start tripping over their balls and then they fuck up on clock and then either that translates into doing suboptimal turns, which cause you to lose, or at least get wrecked, uh, or that translates into doing eventually figuring it out, but burning so much clock time that you start putting yourself under more stress. And look, you don't have to optimize every activation. That's one thing I think that people should realize is that you are playing at the end of the day a dice game. It's a dice game with a lot of control, but there's going to be swings and roundabouts. You're going to have that time when you charge something and you're going to double ones a couple of times. You're going to have that time when your mechanic charges a heavy and kills it. Like, it's how it goes. But you have to be prepared for basically, like, you, you've got a little, you've got a, a certain amount of, like, uh, flexibility in this game. I mean, an hour is still quite a long time, and it's obviously longer in War Table. It's, uh, like, an hour and 15. So how do you optimize and using that time uh, in order to make sure that you have more flexibility with your activations, especially towards the later parts of the game or when you need it for the big critical turns? Yeah. It really is like a full circle thing. So it's like you start out and like playing quickly is the most important fundamental skill. And then there's sort of unpacking your army, knowing how it's going to traffic as the game goes with scenario and terrain in mind and all that stuff. I think that's like the second most important because you just, you know, you could have butcher three if he can't actually get to, you know, if stuff's in his way, he's the most useless model on the table. But like, um, then there's the scenario and terrain play and then like your list building, but then your list building will come back around and speed your clock up. If you, if you've done it right, you know, like, so yeah, it's just, it's weird. Um, like they're they are all interconnected, but mm. the 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 thing that I tr- so for speed clock, um, and I, I'm horrible at it. I go in the tank more than basically anybody I know, but um, I do have moments where I get like in the in ultra instinct, and I just like play really fast. And and part of that where I know I'm feeling it is I feel comfortable. Uh, I'm in like kind of a zone, and uh, the first thing that's happening is as the opponent's kind of wrapping up their turn. I'm looking at like the low hanging fruit stuff for my turn right away. And I'll just do it. Like the first thing right out of the gate, I'll be like, I've got this like void, uh, you know, a void elemental charge, uh, or, you know, uh, whatever, a void, void, daddy. A void, archon, <laughs> void daddy. Yeah. I got a void daddy charge. He's going to do this, 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 he's totally independent. I don't care where he winds up. You know, he's going to go and like, you know, teleport to the flag after he's done killing everybody or whatever. And, uh, I'll just do that right away. I'll just do all the like stupid itty bitty stuff. Grigorovich is going to go over and buff these guys. He's it just, it's like a, and shoot his old gun at something random, you know, like anything that you can just like get out of your head, make your turn like, you know, 5% and 10%, 20% smaller. Uh, get like, that's like my first thing. Cause like, if you're thinking about how you're going to assassinate their caster at the end of their turn, you know, it's like, uh, you're going to, that's going to carry over. You're not going to have that figured out. And then you're going to spend like 15 minutes, figure it out. And then if you run out of time, all that, that quick low hanging fruit stuff, that's super easy that you could have done with your eyes closed. You won't even have, you just, it was like all those you miles are going to sit and spin and don't do it. You know? Yeah. You'll have barely enough time to do that. If any at all. Yeah. It's actually but, a good point there. I think you one thing though, do not necessarily do the low hanging fruit stuff first. <laughs> um, do keep in mind that, but it basically, you, you can keep that in mind as like, okay, that's a separate module. This is Void Active. The Void Archon is going to charge here. What the Void Archon actually does after it, we can maybe be a bit flexible with it, for instance. 
but maybe we do him later because we want Doom Reavers going in first or what have you, or if we're playing some other list because, you know, we can play more than, like, say, uh, what was it, played more than, say, Kador, you'd have things like, say, ambushing models, right? You'd be like, okay, these models are ambushing 100%, and these ones have charges, they're like brute thralls and mechanic thralls or something, they are getting in here, but what do we want the rest of the units, where do we want them to end up, and then we can just shelve that aside for a bit, and then focus on the rest of your list. So, taking, identifying the low hang, there's a, like a lot of tricks, I think, in order to speed up your clock, and a lot of it comes down to just a bit of minutiae and like good fundamentals. So, like, the easiest one I'll say is just the first thing you should think about is that, especially if your caster is not a frontline, like, even if he is a frontline caster, if your caster is just where he ends up, where he or she is going, right? If it's a caster with like a gun, like say a Mechanolith or Gaston or whatever, right? Where do I go in order to basically do whatever I want to do this turn? Either it's to do damage, throw out debuffs, that sort of thing. Where is Malakoff going today? That you can actually plan out during your like your opponent's turn. Just chuck a proxy base where you think that you want to put it. Or especially as they're wrapping up, just start getting a lot of that stuff offloaded so that as soon as it is your turn, you can just launch. The second is having like a consistent minutiae of how you do things. So when the first comes around, don't, you know, do your maintenance phase, right? Even if your maintenance phase is, I skip my maintenance phase, cool. Just like get in the habit of doing it because it means that you won't forget to like, all right, all the fire and stuff, and you're ready to go right away. So as soon as the fire checks come, because they are on your clock, just start rolling the dice, right? All right, bing, then tough, fire goes out, cool, move on, move on. Do it in such a way. Always, like, say, in as consistent an order as you can so you're not thinking about it. So, for instance, like, me personally, I'll always do fire basically front to back, right? And I'll always try and get it out of the way as quickly as possible because it's just dead time. So, four is either most important model because, you know, if it's a caster, you know, sometimes it does matter if, say, he's on fire and about to die in a fire. Get that out of the way first, right? But then afterwards, just go front to back, look at it and go through it in sequence, right? And just get into a habit of doing that. And that literally is irrelevant to which army you're playing, unless your army is basically immune to fire. Yeah. Yeah. Then after that, you know, just put your whatever objective buff you want on there. Like, on a physical table, I'll... I find visual keys are really helpful because they remind you to do stuff. So, like, if there's an objective marker, just put a little token on it which has whatever buff it's got. True Sight, Pathfinder, the weird concealment thing, the no-touchy objective, Anchor, right? Just have yeah. that on there because otherwise you're going to go halfway through your turn and go, oh, fuck, and then realize that you've forgotten it. <laughs> and then what? Okay, cool, great. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the thing. I, I see a lot of players... Um, Everybody's pretty good sport about it on on War Table, but I see it happen a lot. Is uh, they forget to use their the first thing that is just universal is they forget to use their uh, objective buff, and then they've got to like mid turn sheepishly go, oh, he's supposed to have, and then their the opponent usually is like, yeah, fine, whatever, and, and then yeah. then there's the um, War Machine players are constantly forgetting to like do power ups. So like they again they go in the tank. They think for 20 minutes about some stupid assassination run, and then they'll commit a jack, and they're like, oh, I've got, like, two less focus than I was supposed to have. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> they forget uh, to focus yeah. allocate. The classic, like, or the other one, the, which is, used to be the thing of, like, you get halfway through your turn, you get, like, a two activations into your horde's turn, and you forget you forgot to read Fury. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, well, if it's a serious game of, like, 
you're going to have to make all those frenzy checks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or even if you roll it back. Like, here's the other thing. Even if you roll it back, you've still just wasted all this time. So it's yeah. not like your opponent isn't getting a net gain out of it because of you fucking up, right? Yeah. And now, things like, say, Fury Fury um, pulling and that sort of thing, you'd want to have a plan going into that. And you can utilize your opponent's turn to plan that out, right? Like, if you've got excess Fury on the board, where is it going? If you've got insufficient Fury, are you cutting this turn and for how much? And then you could have, like, like literally a war table. For, if I'm playing Hordes, right, and I'm going to have to cut because of whatever reason, like, I've had a fully, like... A beast is fully loaded and I can't pull the fury. I didn't want to pull the fury over it because it'd go over, right? I just pre-mark the damage because it's just yeah. going to happen anyway. But, like those little sort of tricks, right? You, your opponent's turn is a resource for you as well, and you can use it to do some planning. Like obviously, don't go too much and don't be a dick about it. Like no one is going to like if you put like approximately ten proxy bases during your turn, especially while I'm trying to get into stuff. That's kind of like, um, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't That's... even do the proxies on their turn at all. Like, I, I mean, personally, I just... Uh, the big one is I'm just... As they're kind of wrapping up or they're doing their, like, buttoning up their turn. I've been yeah. thinking about my turn this whole time. Like, a lot of times they'll, like, move a... Just in their turn, they'll move their first thing. And I immediately know where I'm going to be positioning the thing that's going to be dealing with that. Like, I'm already... As they move, I'm like, oh, thank God they moved there. I was hope I was worried he was going to do, you know, the... <laughs> yes. That I am constantly like, you know, processing in in real time, and then you know, I'll I take damage and I do the tough checks, and I'm 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 present. I'm I'm aware of you know I'm not like ignoring them and out of it, but I'm definitely always thinking about my turn. I'm getting excited, or if they move their caster in a way like, oh, if he leaves him there, he's fucked. You know, like that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. stuff. Uh, that sounds like a dead caster to me. Ooh, let's yeah, go. Yeah. Um, that is actually a thing. Yeah, like. I, I I find usually, especially it's bet easy. It's a lot better on a regular tabletop game. The caster is fine, like proxying where the caster is going to roughly go, because it's probably going to change when you think about it. But at least it gives you a good base point of where to go from there. Mm -hmm. Like, and yeah, obviously, like you know, you can just plunk him down. It's not going to be in the way, and that way you can sort of figure out where the rest of the thing goes. Mm -hmm. It's like your opponent is not getting something out of it when you're very much putting a proxy butcher down and he's like, oh, okay, that's where you're thinking of going, huh? Yeah. I'll file that away for you later. Yeah. Something to, to consider, yeah, is just getting as much work done, like trying to like internalize a whole bunch of things. And again, this is all very list agnostic. It does not matter what you're playing. You should be sort of getting the habit of it, especially there's actually... This is kind of important, I think, or most important, I feel, for huge base casters, because they only have so many, so few places they can go. And huge base lists in general, because all the huge bases are realistically all high-impact models. Like, even the Death Knell, which is arguably, like, the lowest impact of them, is still a, basically your Creel Stone, right? Yeah. So, you know... Knowing where it's going to end up is kind of key to knowing what of your Grimkin models are going to end up under its protective aura. And you, you kind of do need to know that, especially if it's doing other things like giving corpses to skinny boys so they can go ha live their best lives. If it's going to give, like, you know, whatever other things a Death Knell will do. Yeah, and make you sure that you can't. Oh, yeah, exactly. You don't even need to shoot the gun, and yet you still got to think about it because no, it doesn't have a gun. Happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's got is it's like two. It's gonna. It does have a gun actually. It's a two inch reach melee weapon. <laughs> oh, there wow. you go. Uh -huh. um, 
like I, I feel like these are things that help obviously this is part of like oh well you know like that's like you know Who's got time for that? But you do have time for that. You have time for that every time you play, even if you play yeah. some dick around game. Like, you could be playing a Brawl Machine game with a faction you're literally borrowing the models for because you don't have it, with someone who you're trying to introduce to the game. You still have an opportunity to perfect your little things, right? And, you know, get a feel for models. Yep. Every model is different, but a lot of the models are also quite very much the same, right? It is actually one nice thing about War Machine is they all just have their weird quirks. Like, even all the beat face melee jacks, they're all different in their own way, right? A Juggernaut, a Crusader, they're very similar, but they're also not. Even yeah. though they're literally like, it's a power 18 slash 20 versus a power 19, right? But what weapons do they have and their little tricks? Also, the faction around it, how it plays. But when you're playing, you could also go like, well, you know, if I'm just playing Crusaders today instead of Juggers, I know roughly what I do with a Juggernaut. Therefore, I know roughly what I do with a Crusader. Yeah. Do you get Brian? After Brian. <laughs> I was uh, reading a card. Great. Alt tabbed. <laughs> Alt tabbed out. Alt, Alt tabbed out. Called out. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did my characteristic blather on for a bit. Anyone else got anything to add before this becomes a one-man band? <laughs> you and Nigel. Two-man band. Yeah, yeah, we and Nigel, we did it band, two yeah. out of three. Sorry, a duet. A duet. Any little hacks do you find you think about your speed of play, Jesse, much? Me? No. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, you're still, I, still I, winging it? Yeah, I, yeah, generally not real. I mean, like, I'm usually a pretty quick player. Like, I don't really have to worry about time. I, so, the, here's the thing with chess clock. Chess clock's kind of... Chess clock's great. It's actually the best way to play it. But, you know, I'm used to playing, like... I I grew up in War Machine playing on the seven-minute turns. Yes. You know, so you like I, seven uh, I was going to read that up earlier, actually. But, yeah, uh, you, you zip up your turn entirely different when you just know you only have seven minutes. It's like, yep. I, I got to have... 60% of my non-essential shit totally done within like one minute. So I've got the rest of my six minutes plus my extension to do the meaty, the meaty complicated thing. And then like that carries to chess clock. Like if you actually can keep that mentality, it'll serve you well in a chess clock. The problem with chess clock is that people are like, all right, I've got 45 minutes to like, think about how I'm going to do this assassination. And they'll waste like the full 20. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. so your cast, your assassination is one point short. You pass the clock. You have four minutes left. He's literally going to just, <laughs> you know, assuming he doesn't kill you in return. Yeah. Uh, he's going to just, all he has to do is put the clock and just move defensively away. And then, yeah, you're just dead. Um, it's uh, uh, there was a podcast a long time ago. I don't remember. It might've been Muse I don't, or who knows what, but they talked about, uh, like when trying to get better at a clock, when back in the day, I don't know if hardcore is even still a thing anymore, but when you, there was a <laughs> yeah. hardcore timer of 10 minutes, you just keep yourself on the 10 minute timer and play with the death clock at the same time. So you essentially have six turns, you know? Yeah. And then you just I, I remember that. Do it that way. You know, I, I used to yeah. do that a lot. And I, I, if I was going to events this year, then I definitely would be practicing that way. But yeah. And there's lists. Um, we had talked about it before we started recording, but that stupid destroyer or the stupid demolisher Harkovich list, like mm -hmm. that's yeah. the, like the deeper that list, the whole point of that list is like to play six turns. 
it just yep. wants to basically bully people around the bulldoze and steal and then like you know it's probably just going to clock people or something you know it's going to be just sure. miserable it's not going to kill anything everything's pal 16 or pal 15 and like nothing there's no buffs but like or, or very little but like you know you can make a list that can place fast for you and slow for your opponent so then but it's dude, like you can be playing cards up to it saying you know what are you doing no that's true <laughs> that is true um he is a bit of a guy. People do think he's a meta meta bender for some reason. I'm sure he bender. is meta bending, but there's definitely answers in a lot of factions. As yeah. as the current Sydney um, punching bag for Karchev too, uh, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of lists come out of the woodwork. Yeah. To be fair, it's completely valid. They they definitely should be doing that. Uh, I've only asked for this treatment. It's uh, it's also good for practice, but. A hundred percent. Like no, I'm, I'm you don't. You don't get throwing shade, but go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say it's like you don't get practice if you just play into a hard counter. Like no one's gonna get any practice if you say play Zakova two into Chromac one. The practice you get is like how quickly can you do a Macca's run or a beer run. Oh, like, it is practice if you have to go to a tournament, and you might get dropped into it. Hmm. So you can at least learn it, see how bad it is, see what the weaknesses are. Played a couple times and then just at least understand the matchup and the problems therefore in it and potential yep. plays ways to play around it. But yeah, it's not a lot of fun, uh, but it's worth doing. I think if if that's your goal, if you're playing for cash, then I definitely don't recommend going and playing into purposely playing into your bad matchup. I, I don't think uh, I wouldn't. Even, I wouldn't discourage playing into bad matchups casually necessarily out of hand. It's like those games can still be. As long as as long as you go, it's like rule zero on magic. As long as you go in and saying you just have to have a pep talk for yourself. This is casual. I don't care about the result. Let's go and like mess around, and then you just sort of get yourself in the right headspace. Like, uh, or, you know. and I can appreciate that, but I can also understand where like it's not. It sometimes it is a better matchup to just avoid on a casual night. But yeah. if somebody really wants to play it, yeah, you can definitely go into a matchup and still have fun. That's not good for you. Yeah, I think especially as long as it's a soft counter and not a deliberate, a complete hard counter, it's fine. Yeah, because <laughs> you're gonna get yeah, those cool. games anyway. Like, there's a difference between like a hard counter for like someone who can crack armor and like a true hard counter for say Karchev two. And I, I'd argue Karchev two doesn't exactly have hard counters. It's just more stuff that's good against what he tends to bring. Yeah. And you can still get enjoy games yeah. out of it, but then there are going to be games where it's just like, uh, you literally have rules for everything I do, and yeah, I have no they, agency in this. If, those are shit if, ones. Just if they know you're playing Oceans, and then they just start playing, magically playing Storm of the North. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just took this theme force, and your entire yeah. kit doesn't do anything. Yep. Enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Or if you were playing back in the day when uh, Horse Boy and Infernals was super common in every list because he had all the rules, that just pretty much pushed Sorcha out of that entire matchup. Yeah, yeah. Because that was like her entire spell kit was like two spell was one spell. Her entire spell kit was Boundless Charge. Yeah, that didn't matchup. even work on half of your list because it was sometimes a lot of times in Wolves of Winter. You're like, okay, yeah, this is this is just horseshit. Ant stationary can't knock down, and most things are eyeless sight, so there's no concealment. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She's 
definitely more playable now, 100%. The net is not so hostile. Now recording. Oh, look who's back. Thanks, Thank Craig. You son of a bitch. <coughs> yeah, we we're just so talking about. Talking? You were talking about like uh, having a casual game in which it's a bad matchup and you're uh, re- replaying turns and it's kind of. And then uh, Brian was saying that that's like when you have, uh, you, you know, you're talking about positive aspects or. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it doesn't even have to be casual at that point. But I think like a lot of our games have become very casual. But it's a great way to just learn a matchup and have a really nice discussion with somebody because you're going back and forth. You play out a game, but you rewind when something doesn't go quite how we expected it to go. Or you rewind or change the positioning of something based on like how the game is playing out. And you kind of just learn where things should be, how things should roll, how things should be positioned on the board. And you kind of move all of those pieces around as you play and discuss it back and forth. Um, and then it doesn't really feel like a competitive game, but more of a like you're playing together to figure out what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are those are fun. I, I've I've played a couple of games like that with uh, with like Whaley. It's also really good for teaching new people to yep. play like that. Yep. Totally. Yep. Yeah, that's where you start picking up on tricks as well when you start looking at like. Oh, okay. This is how I say I don't know block a drag a bit, drag shot from like a reaper. These are little like little tricks and things like that. Like oh, if you just had these guys in the way, I'd have to clear them first in order to get the drag off. Yep. Or the obvious one. This is where you should be putting your caster to avoid this particular gotcha. All right, let's rewind because you know otherwise this is just like a dumb game. And I've had tournament games like that where we just play out the game. I point out where the game's about to end. And then after the game's over, we just rewind and continue playing because we have how much more time on our clock. And that goes both ways. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Like a game doesn't have to end just because it's over either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would I would just recommend to anybody who is like, you know, if, if you're on the if you think that you need to put in a ton of time to learn every stuff when you do play, if you're still playing, you haven't quit yet or whatever, you're not just try to in a losing game. If it's not for a tournament, uh, just time out and be like, hey, can we like rewind and do, you know, whatever. Most opponents are actually super cool about it because they want to learn stuff, too. Also, the longer the game draws out, like if you walk into assassination run, honestly, most players aren't excited. They didn't go into that game being excited about a stupid assassination run. Like even if, you know, it's like they built a list that wants to like table you. <laughs> so like, yes. they're, they're like, yeah, let's rewind. And like, we'll, we'll do some more tabling, you know, but that's totally fine. At least you like, you get to lose the heart, the extra hard way. And then, but you, <laughs> you, you at least yeah. get to really get focused on the trades, you know? I think yeah. it's also really important to go through that assassination run just to see how, good it actually is on the table because i think it's really important for people to realize how bad some assassins nations can go oh yeah even if they look really good when you start so i think it's important that people do play them out and then rewind afterwards because you might find that it was completely not worth doing even though it looked really good when you were doing it in your head i i think mm-hmm. at least three games in adepticon that i just sort of casually observed was guy going for an assassination run not getting it and then basically having a meltdown of like blaming dice or whatever. And then, you know, <laughs> you take the calculator out and you're like, dude, that's you, you got there with like two attacks left. And he was on one focus and like uh, he had like 14 health, you know, like he, that was that was like a 15 percenter. And it also you had to hit twice. And like, yeah, I was like, well, you know, is this the sometimes yeah. the things that people complain about? They think that, you know, 
that's just like uh, it goes the it goes the other way too, right? Yeah. Because you also might play into one that you realize is a really, really good assassination one, and your dice might just crush you. Because we have players, like we have one player here in Sydney who will almost never take an assassination attempt because he knows how bad a failed assassination run can go for a game. You might look like an 80% on the table, but 20% of the time you're going to fail that run, and that's the end of that game when he knows he can play a solid game for the rest of that for the rest of that game yeah. and come out on top because he knows he'll play better at attrition than going for a 20% chance of failure early on. Yeah. yeah. That said, I'm going to since we're on the topic of assassinations, I'm going to say something that's been a bit counter to a lot of war machine logic for the longest time, especially the things we've heard on podcasts. You should recognize when it's best to go for the assassination because of things like clock. Yep. And it's really important. You can't just, like, as much as I love said person, like, it's Frawley, I'm guessing, right? That's, oh, 100%. Yeah, 100% Frawley. Like, like, to be fair, like, in Frawley's credit, like, that's never going to be the case, right? Frawley will almost, I've only seen him clock literally once, and that was when he was playing an off faction, right? He designs this deliberately so that he doesn't clock and he'll play the long game. But not everyone is, has that luxury. And also, not everyone is going to end up in a game or a matchup where that's going to be possible. So sometimes it's actually worth looking at an assassination run, not on its raw percentage, just straight up, but on its percentage of you winning the game right then and there versus you being able to win the game despite your clock pressure. Because one problem, right? One thing with assassination runs is that when you go for the assassination run, unless it's one of those like accidental assassination runs that doesn't really cost you anything, almost inevitably it's going to be your last turn. Right, like yeah. they're almost always all in, and therefore your clock ceases to become a problem. You don't now have forty-five minutes to play the game. You have forty-five minutes to plan out a turn, and so get it right, get it as good as possible. And yes, you need to practice because sometimes you're going to be put in spots where you'll have to go for worse assassination runs, possibly with the same caster with le- with less clock on your side, and be able to recognize when that's like what steps you should be going through and how because. Almost every list, even the same caster, because of the way things work out, almost every list will play out that assassination differently. Because there are two components, realistically, to almost any assassination run that your list provides. One is enablers, things that make it more likely to go. That can be things like, you know, drag, getting the caster out there. But it could be also things like, you know, dice fixes, uh, random support stuff that you need to do. Like, you know, puppet strings is like everyone's best favorite one. Because it really cuts down on your like um your chances of flubbing things. Yeah. And second is also um what attacks you can get on there, and that is a hundred percent list dependent, right? Sometimes you know you got Mechanical Lilith and she's just going to shoot you, cool, whatever. But again, what beasts are there? Is it an Archangel? Is it Ravagors? Right? Is it those virtues? Are you able to like what things can you apply there? Can you get the corrosion on the, like you know? Well, I mean, you get the corrosion on with virtues are a bad example. They just do the corrosion themselves. But how do you deliver them there? And what tools and mechanics do you have for it? Um, things like that. I mean, if you want the Kador perspective, like there's a very big difference between trying to assassinate someone with, say, Winter Guard Command and assassinating them with Warjacks or assassinate them with Armored Core. All the attack profiles are completely different. And how you pull off that assassination will rely on very different tools. But, but your cast is also... 
Yeah, exactly. Even if you played the same caster in all three lists, the ways you get there are different. So that's something to recognize. And this is actually also something, if you know you're worse than your opponent, going for the, going for the coin flip to win the game is oftentimes like, especially if it's a strategic coin flip, fucking go for it if you I, I think even if it's not even a coin flip, if it's like a 40%, it's actually kind of the, yeah. I, I think I said this on the last cast, I could, I could be in danger of repeating myself. But if I'm outmatched either because they're a better player or they have, I know that the list, the, the thing isn't good, I'll do two things. Defensively, I'll give up a, like a 30 or 40% assassination run to try to goad him into it. And then conversely, if I see a 30%er, I'm going for it. <laughs> like I'll, it's, I'm, I'm going to try to give, give the percent that they go for and I'm going <laughs> to take it. I'm going to take it right back because those are both my, probably my best odds of winning the game, you know? 100%. And sometimes, by the way, this can be a two-turn process. You can take a turn where, yeah, you leave your caster a bit exposed, or you go and snipe out their support pieces that would make the assassination run harder in order and set up your assassin pieces in order to try and kill them next turn. And that's just the plan going in. And look, this isn't necessarily because you're running into Jake Van Meter at a tournament and, you know, you're like, oh, I can't fucking beat this guy. What am I going to do, right? Sometimes it can be because you do play into Jake and you're playing a decent game and then he just gets a good turn of dice spiking and kills something that, quote, he shouldn't, right? It happens to everyone, right? You get your Colossal, you get it charged by one heavy and between the heavy and random gunshots, your Colossal gets killed and you're thinking to yourself, Fuck, now you are the dog in this situation and you've got to figure out a way to get back in. Well, first of all, it always helps to be prepared in advance in the event that that happens. But that's, you know, not always possible. I mean, we don't just say, like, prepare for literally every outcome. Otherwise, you'll just basically clock yourself on turn two. But that's the kind of thing you need. Plan shovel. Yeah, plan shovel. Ah, plan shovel. Best plan. Like, learning when shovel is the correct option and also like how you're going to shovel what are the correct shovel pieces for anyone who doesn't know by the way plan shovel is a term coined by colin hill it's basically when you've dug yourself a hole because of a fuck up or because your opponent is very good at the game and keeps rolling box cars and the only way to dig it yourself out is to keep digging and hope that you dig your way upwards <laughs> and nice. My goodness, Colin, Colin, just shout out to that guy. Love, one of the loveliest players I ever know. One of the loveliest human beings I know. That man cannot win an early game to save his life. And yet his late game is phenomenal. So in the event that I've, the few games I've seen where his like early game and setup have gone well, it's, it's like almost unwinnable because he's just like, he's still got the plan shovel mentality, but he's now got approximately twice as many models on the table to kill you with or to win with. Uh, Actually, it should be noted, assassin like these quote assassination runs don't necessarily have to be to kill their caster. Sometimes the assassin is nation run is to actually go for a giant scenario score turn. Those feel pretty good as well. And you know, it can be a lot easier to kill some random dickhead solo on a flag than killing a caster in a trench with a defense buff on them. Well, yeah. recognizing- there's a lot of paths to victory, which makes it really interesting. So you have a scenario, you have assassination, and technically you have the option to table your opponent, which essentially ends up leaving you to one of those two victories, but really it's a very different path than the previous two. Correct. But yeah, you need to recognize when, you recognize that clock is a factor when planning an assassination. It's not just always raw numbers. And look, 
if you go with an assassination run, always go with the mentality that you're at the end of the day, you're rolling dice, right? It is going to come down to one die roll sometimes. And maybe it comes down to multiple die rolls. Just be prepared to wear the consequence of failure because whether that's in like basically shaking hands afterwards or if it fucks up early, knowing how you can recover your turn and being prepared, like, you know, look. I know it's like, we're all humans. You can't just say like, oh, don't go on tilt because, you know, that's like the least useful advice ever. It's like telling someone who's anxious, don't be anxious and don't, you know, just be cool. Don't have any anxiety. Similar thing. It's just like, oh yeah, just don't go on tilt. It's the easiest way to avoid being tilted. But you have to have a plan and you have to sort of go in the mindset and try and psych yourself out into what does happen if this linchpin thing fucks up right and don't try not to derail and spiral out of control and as i said sometimes assassination runs are like two turn affairs fuck I, one of my favorite <laughs> sorry one of my favorite games ever is a game against hickling which is one of the reasons i ended up in the iron gauntlet well i tried for three turns to kill sorcia sorcia one in yeah. mark two with a rusk two <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the first assassination. I couldn't roll a like. I had to roll a twelve to hit him. I had like three shots of doing it because he was on zero focus, and I failed all three times. Okay, yeah. cool. The next time, I dropped him to two boxes, and he didn't manage to kill my caster. The third time, how I actually killed him was with a rusk charging and air bursting, doing a point blank air burst in the face. <laughs> I had three <laughs> minutes, no, even less time to do that to try and do this. And it was basically, I, like, pretty much was rolling the attack as my last thing possible. And, like, if that, like, that was a three-turn, hilarious clusterfuck in an affair. And it was one of my, like, happiest, like, best moments of War Machine was pulling that off. It was a fucking amazing game. Yeah. Right? But, yeah, in the event that, you know, I could have just, like, if the 12, when, when I, like, couldn't roll a 12 to save myself, cool, I could have just had the wheels come off. And it's, like, you know, it's not like 12s are easy, if anything. There's one issue there is, like, I went for in the first place maybe i shouldn't have right i had a stretch of i had a stretch of uh war machine where yeah no totally the 12s the 12s is like that's asking uh, i used to think that i could not roll 12s by the way yeah like, not I, regular 12s obviously i used, obviously, to, I used yeah. to be pretty convinced i couldn't hit boost at 11s or even 10s or 9s especially the behemoth where it's like okay here comes the behemoth he needs to roll nines uh boosted and then I'll just like fail both. It was like, John, I hate the behemoth so much. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. yeah. But it happens. Just be yeah. ready for it. And like, for instance, that particular that particular run there with like actually even going for the uh, 12s, I had actually nothing better to do with that juggernaut. It was a Mark II juggernaut, of course. So I had to mm -hmm. hit a social with Windrush. Uh, so that's 12s to hit. But yeah, like things like that, right? Cool. All right. It failed. What, what happens next? All right. Game's still going to go on, and ideally, you're going to have ability to recover somehow. Um, and knowing when to flip out of that all-in mode, try and plot for the next turn. But yeah, it is one thing that I reckon you should consider is basically whether that next turn is even going to be possible, and plan your clock allocation accordingly. And it's also... It's getting easy. It's both easier and harder to assassinate casters as the game goes on. It's easier because you're peeling away more of their pieces to protect and like, you know, there's just less shit on the board. But it's harder because a lot of your support star stuff starts getting taken out or you're in the amount of attacks you can get onto said casters start getting cut down quite yeah. dramatically. 
Yeah. I've seen, uh, <clears throat> like, people that go for assassination runs and then, like, either, you know, like you said earlier, you got, like, three shots at a 12. Well, you miss, you know, two of them, and then they just scoop it up right away. I think that that is also a terrible mentality or way to do things, you know? Like, just play the game out. You, there's still chances to win. Unless it was your cast or going in, obviously, then, you know, it could be bad. Yeah, you could probably scoop or just give them the satisfaction of pulverizing yeah. your caster in. Well, like, if you didn't have to send your caster in and you have, you know, you just sent some pieces in, then you'd still, obviously, there should be some game to play. But there, there's been a lot of people that I've seen just like, oh, well, I didn't hit the, it didn't hit the uh, boosted ten. I scoop, you know. Yeah. So, I'm like, oh, okay, well. You know, I just don't think those, yeah. those games are not very, uh, A, they're not very satisfying as a player. Like, let's just play the game out, you know? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, just get the practice in. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. And also, like, you're going to learn more from games where you don't, things don't go to plan. And how do you, oh. how do you try and pull off a miracle using what garbage you've got yeah. left? And, like, that's when you start looking at cards and you're like, oh, all right, I need to clear this model, but I also want to get Papa's strings out there. So, fuck it. My Golden Lord's charging, and we're going to trigger some fucking Battle Wizard, baby. Let's go. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're already in the... We're already way behind. We really need this. Or, like, fuck, I, I, need, I need a couple of things to go right. Because, yes, you are going to get in situations where, you know... You want to do things cleanly, but there are others where you have to recognize where the correct play is just to go balls to the wall ham, take the risks because you're not going to win anyway. Fuck it. The 30 percenter to get this thing cleared, go for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is that might be, yeah, that, more, that might be basically what you're down to, especially when this typically happens in a lot of assassination runs when you're starting to try and clear models to get a path. You will find that there's something goes wrong, like you miss a you you know snake eyes an attack roll or you basically like something you you fail to kill like a ua you leave it on like two boxes and you're running out of attacks that's when you're starting to look at like things in your list that basically will get you like what kind of wacky rules are you doing to get there or you're starting to do things like shooting into combat right with models that can't really contribute to the assassination anyway so fuck it they're gonna go for some box cars see if they hit and get the kill yep yep like you guys said, shoveling, you know, you're like digging yourself out of the hole is also. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a one of the funniest. If you pull it off as well, it's a, like it's such a good mental thing as well, because if you pull off a stupid plan shovel, like you've already mentally ridden yourself out of the game. You're going for the Hail Mary. If you actually get it off, it's just like one massive emotional damage to your opponent and two massive emotional reward to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. I agree. Um, I had another point I was going to bring up, actually. Uh, it was it. Well, and this one was the the topic overall. The overall umbrella of the topic was the focus on, you know, if you want to play War Machine, be a casual or competitive um, and enjoy yourself. Like, you know, you realize that there's like the aspect of training. So speed clock, unpacking your army. We haven't really talked about scenario training. The unpacking your army kind of turned into uh yep. assassination runs and evaluation of tactics and all these other <laughs> things but like um scenario and terrain we don't even have to go into but then then it's like the list building um the the other things like oh man i like 
I wasn't prepared for Karchev too. You know, like they were just like, I I can't be ready for Grimkin or I can't be ready for, and it's like most of these extremes, like I'm not even using air quotes on extreme, but like you're gonna run into like there's nothing extreme about Karchev too. Like you could run uh, that's a triple colossalist by Harkovich, or it's like a uh, you know there's a, a variation, a derivation of it that's similar that you're gonna run into whether it's like black industries jack spam or you know like you're it's not that far off from um you just something you just might run into in the wild anyways so it's like stop focusing on like oh i can't be like everybody just be everything everybody just distills things to like the meta and i don't want to have to like constantly be apprised of the meta you you do because your average jank lord is probably going to be bringing something that's slightly off the rack on friday night you know you could just as easily walk in as, as ridiculous a matchup problem as any tournament in any casual game because you know that's just the way the game is. Like a lot of people is is a fundamental building block of ever since like 40k of like take something that's ridiculous and if there's no if there's no field allowance for it, fill out my sheet with it and then mm-hmm. welcome to the problem you know problem city and then you know it might not be car it might even be Karchev it could be to- it could be Bradigus or whatever like it it's yeah you know you got no gut runners that one guy who's just like i want to play yeah you know i want to play vlad one with every clam jack i can get my hands on and then yeah. be like you you are going to have to be like uh this is no one plays this but i need to like have an idea of how to play into this yeah and, and that has I need to, to make yeah. up yeah literally nothing to do like you know no uh opponent is going to be like you know no forum website is going to have like, oh, this is the hot thing tearing up the meta is Harkovich Clamjack spam. But, you know, you are going to have to actually think about what your plan is for Harkovich Clamjack spam when you run into it accidentally. Yeah. And if you Just get that correct, like, you're going to find that you're accidentally okay into the Karchev matchup. Like, yeah, correct. And also, like, if you look at almost any caster these days... Their lists are not the same. Like, you could, like, I'm looking at through a bunch of Karchev lists right now. They're all subtly different, right? They're not even all in Black Industries. Some of them are in Slaughter Fleet. And it depends on what your opponent actually designed this list for, which might be considerations that you don't give a flying fuck about. They don't rely on, they're not anything to do with you. But, you know, you're now having to deal with them. Congratulations. Oh, there might be just like, I don't have this model. I can't be bothered buying X number of inflictors or whatever, right? So yeah. I'm going to play Shovel Hands like Barathrum because he's cool. Or I'm going to play uh, a Colossal in this list because it's cool. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. One aspect of Clock as well that kind of leads into this that you need to look into with list building as a way of just like uh, streamlining things is frequently one of the core things that soaks up clock is just weird problems you run into. And that can't be a lot of things like usually it's a lot of times like how do you kill or deal with certain X models like or how do you stop yourself losing on scenario um, while clearing things out? For instance, you're going to run into these weird things where it's just like, oh, you've got a unit of shock troopers and you can't charge them for whatever reason. Like, they have a covering fire in front of them. Or they're not shock troopers, they're like, I don't know, incinerators and stuff, and they're under Harvey's feet. Or they're just a bunch of clunky heavies that are under some kind of spell. And all of the problems are going to be subtly different. 
but you're going to need to figure, but then you're going to start making, putting you in the thought of like, okay, what kind of attacks in my list should I be putting in so I can more easily deal with this in the future? So easy example is just getting jammed, right? Some trash models. I don't know. Let's go with the, the best jam unit in the game, Rissabus. You're going to get inevitably at some point in your War Machine career, there's going to be a bunch of quickened or blurred or whatever Rissabus, and they're going to jam you. And they're going to have Captain Never Die behind, Captain Never Die around to make sure that they all have last word. Congratulations. That is going to be your first experience of that is going to be a 20 minute clock scratching, head fucking, what do I do with my life as you try and work out how to clear these fuckers without losing everything that they're running into engage. And then uh, that's, just a, that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. But then the next time you go in, it'll be like, okay, what is the way we do this the next time around? How do we how do we clean things up more cleanly the next time? Do we need more sprays in the list, right? Do we need to make sure that we are approaching it slightly differently to make sure that the jamming the Rissipus do is not as dangerous? Yeah. Maybe we just be like, okay, well, there's things that Rissipus themselves are not very good at killing, or they can't last word if, I don't know, they're frozen like popsicles. Just uh, speaking on that real quick. Do you guys, um, how quickly do you start adjusting your lists after, like, one game, two games, like, certain problems you didn't think of? You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, generally, like, I don't like to switch the list too much in, like, five, six, maybe ten games. I'll play the same list and then, then... maybe think about tinkering things just because I don't, th- you know, like guys, we talked about a little bit earlier, but sometimes you just play it into a bad matchup and it just doesn't go well. So you just can't really take, <clears throat> take the best or take, you know, you can take things from the game, but it's, you know, I wouldn't scrap a whole fucking list from, from playing into a bad match. No, but that's where you have to think of that. I think that's where you end up. If you're happy with your list and you accept what matchups are bad for it, then that goes into how you build your second list, and that's where you mm. that's where you start considering a pairing rather than if you're really happy with the list you have and you're happy with the matchups it has, and you're starting to identify the ones that you want to avoid. That is when you start tailoring a second list. Sure, sure, sure. Well, my yeah. my, my my question is just like that first list. If you do like, when do you start thinking about changes, though? Ah. Uh, me, per- uh, uh, I think this depends on person to person, and there's actually no right answer here because I think it is dependent on the person. Me personally, I'll actually change. I'll actually be identifying problems with lists frequently by turn two of it. Sometimes you go like, yep. "Yeah, you can see yep. what is it quite working? Why yep. the unpackings are going well? Right. You run into things like, all right, well, I need more of this model here.' So, for instance, I had like. My current thoughts on Stalingrad is I'm probably going to cut a unit of rifles and rockets, go down to only two, and actually put in Widowmakers. And simply because, like, one of the problem matchups I've been looking at is trolls. And there's no efficient ways to deal with those fucking Krill warriors with their stupid umbrella things that they bring in, right? Apart from Widowmakers. And that means that's one of the things why. Second, it just, like, makes the deployment a lot more flexible. Now, I'm going to be blunt. I don't think the marksman is the widowmaker marksman. I think is good. The widowmaker unit, I think, is a bit of a meme choice, and I wouldn't be surprised if the first time I play it, I play it, look at it, and go like, "And you're out, right?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even be because of just 
oh, uh, you know, like I'm going to run, like I could run into a hard counter and immediately scrap it. It wouldn't be because I ran into the hard counter. It'd be more like, actually, what is this bringing to my overall list package as a whole? True. Um, and then thinking to myself, nah, we're done. I usually find, though, that the best thing to do is just play the list at a tournament. I mean, you're locked in, you can't change it anyway. And you're going to get a wide variety of games against different opponents. Yes. As you said, it's going to range from, like, your James Morehouses to your James Jank Lords. And you're going to be put under the different ringers. You're going to be fun, like, oh, shit, this list needs, like, more sprays. It needs more armor cracking. It needs maybe a different solo package. Um... It needs different attack profiles because I'm running because it looks like everyone seems to be running more of this instead of that. Or you're gonna uh, the, the it's just like fuck. I actually thought this list was a good matchup into I don't know say Rhett, and then all of a sudden it's not because Rhett are playing different things. Um, this is also something I find it's good to try and cut pieces you think are linchpins to see just how much of a linchpin they actually were. Uh, I could tell you this me personally. I cut the mortar from a list and I'm intensely regretting it so much. <laughs> I cut all the mortars because I found two mortars was too much. So I went down to zero. I found that actually now I don't have a solution to all of these dickhead solos at the back with their dumb rules and stuff. You know, Malvin 2, you know, that yeah. old Giga Chad. Yeah, it turns out, you know, you kind of need some indirect answers for him sometimes, especially when your opponent decides that, you know what's great? Be having shield guards for that guy or putting him in a trench and having things. He's just like, fuck, I need a ways to threaten him and preferably for more than one turn. And what do I do in the event that, you know, I don't kill him through whatever things and I have to then directly kill him after he's frozen just a giant clump of dudes and maybe killed them. Very bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's the kind of things there. Um, I think it does. it is dependent upon, though, what list you're playing specifically. but. A lot of the changes are, can often be more things like the details. Like, honestly, a lot of Karchev lists I played went through changes in terms of the jack loadouts, right? But they're still going to be ostensibly the same list, right? It's a bunch of heavies and the support stuff. Mm -hmm. But, like, what kind of support stuff do I need? Like, obviously, we're doing Kayazi Eliminators, but what do I need to support it? Are the Eliminators, you know, do we need things like, say, Yuri the Axe to do Yuri things? Like, what are we going into? Oh, yeah, be willing to make changes. Don't be like too attached to anything, but mm. try and give things a chance before you cut them right away. But like yeah. Chris said, there's like no like oh every time I have to play something five times before I make any changes. Like sometimes you don't need that much experience no, with something like, to really like, know if there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hypocritical because like generally, like you guys just said, I like to. I, that's just me though. I like to play a couple games before I throw something to the end of the banner, or change something. But usually the like first game turn two, either I unpacked like a complete donkey or there's something not in my mind working here. So, you know, but Yeah. You identify also, it. So you could be really happy with the list the first time in and out and you don't have to consider making changes. Like there might be more optimal changes, but if you're happy with that list and how it works and you're confident in how you can play it, then you don't need to make optimal choices if you can pilot it well. Sure. Correct. Yeah. Like, for me, it took me, like, I'm still working on different cooks of Stalingrad based on, like, what I think is going to be, it's going to be best. However, it took me all of two games to find a Karchev 2 list I think is 
not just good enough, but probably just solid. And I don't know if I'd like, I don't, I'm having a hard time veering away from it. If we are, it's going to be for minor things. Um, I've, I think I've recently one... made a pretty big change to Karchev too. Oh yeah. What is it? Which Those is? Putting in cost Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. That's the one I was considering. How are you finding them by the way? Uh, they dictate a lot because Kartum has a very simple tempo based on his game because it's very straightforward. You're throwing a bunch of heavy jacks. Um, I found that the sniper boat, whatever version you take in that list, is not very effective, generally speaking. People put a lot of effort into killing those models, but I find when they do live, they're still not like the six points that you pay for them. Hmm. But I found the Kaazi just changed the entire tempo of the game because they come in on really weird angles that require the players to then completely change how they approach a Karchev list because they can't just present their front arc uh, and threaten. They have to be aware of that this thing from the side, from either side, could come in and completely take off a heavy... I had one unit of them have, uh, take a third out of a Blightbringer in my last game. Oh, wow. and, oh I had, uh, and I had a second unit that could have come down. And so then he had to dedicate an entire unit of Warmongers from his assault on my heavies to go deal with that like single unit of six men. Mm. Because he can't leave it in his back line shooting out his Blightbringer every turn. Mm. Mm. And I feel like that's a big tempo change. And things like that are worth testing. Like, even if Karchev is, like, put more jack into your front line, it doesn't necessarily mean that's actually the answer to how that list should run. Yeah. Because there are different ways you can affect that list overall by looking at the other tools that are available. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Chris, if you're thinking about it, I would try it. Oh, 100%. That's one thing I want to do myself. Um. I also, where was I going to say? Um, yeah, like, there are, there's uh, oftentimes, um, oh yeah, first, with regards to changes, one thing just get out of the way is that certain lists are difficult to change because either they're in limited factions and thus they have less choices or their themes are just naturally restrictive. I mean, the easy example to me is basically um, Exalted in Scorn, right? Like, you really have only so few changes, but the list itself just kind of works, so who cares, right? Just pick whichever flavor you feel most comfortable. Like, I know your old Scorn Cook, right, was the, like, double Aridus. Yes. And the Mammoth, and it's same, yep. same, but different, right? <laughs> but yeah, there's yeah. others where there's a lot of minutiae, and it can be surprising because you'd be like, oh, yeah, as you said, Karchev, heavies, go smash. Whereas, in actual fact, it's like, oh, heavies, but then you add this second package, right? And there might be a time which dictates that, for whatever reason, we're bringing old Grimm out of the closet once again to go rain some terror because that's apparently we need that kind of ghostly sniper boy again. Particular yeah. solo comes out of the work that needs to be removed from a certain amount of lists. Yep. Like, if Hermit's not as, like, relevant as he once was, but if he ever came back into, like, being in almost every list pairing, then having old Grimm and... A marksman is super useful because it means you can almost, as long as there's no shield guards, you can almost guarantee that that model will die in one or two turns. Even if there are shield guards, you're having to force your opponent to dictate so much to protect this little dickhead, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, it's not like you lose out of it and, you know, I, yeah, it just eventually it starts working out. Plus, 
lists themselves will change over time, not because of yours. Like every list is not in a vacuum. They usually, I mean, even if you've got someone completely cut off from the internet, who's literally just even comes down to the game shop to play War Machine, he will have factors that dictate whether he or she plays a certain way. And it might be things like just simply like, I don't own these models and I can't be bothered, or I like the look of Wolds or something, so I can't be bothered playing Beast Circle. I want to play like some, you know, I want to play Wald Circle because I like the look of them. And those will still, even though they're non-game related, they still dictate what people are playing. Um, and they, if like everyone starts playing Kruger again or like they play, uh, what was it, uh, Wormwood and they start spamming Stranglehold again because, you know, good old Stranglehold. Mm -hmm. uh, like one of the things I've been looking at is like Circle started like, Wormwood's probably one of the best counters Circle has, if not the best counter to Karchev 2, because Karchev 2 just really doesn't like being strangle-held because he's not really running Colossals. This is especially true with the Cadal version, right? So do you just bring back Orin Midwinter again to be like three three lots of no fuck off to stranglehold? <laughs> Maybe we do. I'd well, say don't play Karchev and then you're good to go. <laughs> I mean, that might be the answer. Is like the answer to <clears throat> how do you make your Karchev list? How do you make your Karchev list better into circles? You don't play Karchev. <laughs> yeah, that that Wormwood list is pretty good indicator. Period at the moment. It is. Yeah, there are answers. Yeah, but it's it's like you need to actually think about that matchup quite a bit, not <laughs> counting Karchev. Well, even then, like, you have to, like, if you do have Karchev, you still got to think about it. Like, how are you approaching yeah. this? And what, or if, if you're going to keep, if you're going to build Karchev into it, do you build Karchev or do you build a pair? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Brian, uh, you're off, you were, you played Infernals at um, CanCon, right? Yeah. Just not, not happy with that at all? Um, I was playing... Zadaroth and Lucas. Uh -huh. And Lucas is very good, and Zadaroth is very good. But Zadaroth required a lot of extra effort, I found. Like, she has an amazing spell list and an amazing feat. But, like, getting the trade to work correctly, I found, was incredibly infuriating. Mm -hmm. And that was partially on me. Uh, but trading two heavies for one heavy pretty much on the regular was a real bad way to play a game. Ah, I see. Matt, like Matt their, six, their base is not very good right now, but yeah, it's, it's, it, you need to really know how to leverage all of her abilities correctly yeah. in order to do trades correctly. And if you fuck up, it's, it feels like you should be like, I have a billion heavies. It should be fine. But it's really, it, ne it never really works out that way, I find, because you're usually requiring two heavies to finish off one. Or yeah. you need to start a trade to get the threat range to start a proper trade. Right. And it never works out quite that way, if that's what you're looking for. I think she's quite doable, and I think if someone really wanted to put in the time and the effort, she could, she's fully playable. I think Infernals is a completely playable faction. I'm Probably still convinced that Lucas is better in Infernals than he is in Crucible Guard. Sure. Um, but I feel like the Dark Legacy half of that theme has one caster and 
it, to be like really, really competitive. I think you can play Omo, and I think you can play uh, the other one. Agathon. I, I guess on, mm-hmm. but I but they're they're a bit memey, yeah. At the moment, yeah, yeah. And Zadaroth is extremely playable, but I think you just need to be at the top of your game to properly leverage all those abilities to properly get the value that that faction can perform. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, Sorry, uh, Chris left, and I went. I don't. Out I don't... <laughs> Wait, what was that? Uh, you you um, left there, so I kind of just asked. Uh, Brian, a tangential question. And, uh, and I don't right, play right. hard mode. Yeah. And I don't play hard mode very well. <laughs> I play things like Miserable Meat Mountains in Mark II and uh, Parchev Two and Kador and, <laughs> and friendly Scorn, um, Exalted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brian knows what he likes. I mean, your first faction was trolls. And, yep. and then it was Kador. Sometimes the trolls are wearing steam armor, or sometimes the Trolls are bots, or sometimes the trolls are stone boys. They're trolls. To be fair, my go-to caster at the beginning of Mark III was Sorsha for a long time. Yeah, it's true. Because it was the polar opposite of being a meat boy. <laughs> meat yeah. mountain. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think Infernals is playable. I was just not that happy playing them. I was winning games, I was losing games, but um, I could see how much effort it was going to be, and then I also considered how heavy it was going to be to take to WTC, considering like all of those models are partially made of metal, and I have to travel across the sea, and there was a period where I was planning for it to be like a month-long trip, and I was like, I'm not carrying every heavy and every, like, eight heavies of the crabs, and then like two or three of the spray, and then two or three of the snake, just so I could make sure that I always had the heavy or light that I needed for summoning yep. in any particular turn. Right. That was not going to happen. So that was another reason why I dropped it. Not because I didn't think they were playable at WTC, but because I was like, I don't, I don't want to transport that sure. list. Sure, sure. Again, a non-game-related <laughs> reason to ditch a faction. And even if Infernals yeah. were good, or better, I'd say, you still might consider that. Well, it was definitely, I was carrying that around just for that event, and I was like, most of my bag is made up of, like, this one list, <laughs> and it's a pain in the ass to move around. Yeah. And yeah. I was already meeting, so I didn't even have some of those pieces in the bag, and I was going, oh, I can't summon this thing now because I don't have it physically here. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. Which is just a limitation of that faction sure. at the moment. And then you have the options of the Colossals, and I just don't think... Zadoth doesn't want anything to do with them. Really? Because they, they don't play into a kit very well. I think you could take the spray one yeah. because of Black Spot, but right. I feel like there's just better options for Black Spot in the things she can already take. Plus, then they also benefit from the uh, Rites of Torment, which is the speed buff, where yeah, the right. Colossals can just never benefit from that at all. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, so I think Agatha and the other one might have a game with it, but I don't know if it's good for their gameplay in general. I own them, but I haven't really put them on the table much, so I don't have that strong of an opinion. Because uh, I got them, but by the time I did, I was already on my way out deciding that Infernals wasn't the faction I wanted to be playing. Sure. But no, I, I recommend if someone really wants a challenge or wants to unlock someone like a really creative caster, I think looking at Zadaroth is a really cool idea, because sure. there's a lot going on in that package. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, just, I mean... She's got a tool for every every situation almost. 
I mean, she exactly. She almost by herself carry. I mean, for the longest time, she by herself was carrying the Infernals faction. It was like Zadaroth and who do you pair with her? Yeah. Yep. Uh, there's like both Fiora options, and I'm pretty sure Lucas is a great second is another good pair. Sure. The problem, I think, I never really experimented with the Ass Mountain. So I couldn't really comment if that's a good pair with Zadaroth, but I was running with like lots of jacks, which just made some of the bad matchups were very similar because they were playing very similar-ish lists with slightly different goals. But some things that were good into one list was also just because they were playing in the same type of model. Uh, so that was problematic, but definitely something you could look at and improve upon or look at one of the other amazing casters in Dark Legacy, like both the Fiora 4 and Fiora 3. The oh, yeah. Fiora 3 with, with the book is very, very good because now she can do her insight game and then, you know, end up a bunch of inches on the other side of the table because the book just teleports her into safety every turn. Yep. yep. So. That's fair. I, I, think, I think Infernals is playable. I think that is a faction people shouldn't just write off. Yeah. yeah. I think it's the problem is that, yeah, but slash effort. And then that's the end of that. Yeah, hundred so. percent. Like it's not for everybody. Well, then it's like you know, and it's and it's not getting a lot of representation of the line. They have a lot of bad publicity at the moment, which I don't think helps their position. But I think if a really good player, or even just a decent player, was to put in the time and the effort, I think they would find they could be really happy with that faction and that caster. True. Mm. And if you don't like Dark Legacy. <laughs> That's the one, right? No. If you don't like Heart to oh, Darkness, no. well, then I have I I can't help you. Like yeah. there's, unfortunately, I really do think like one really competitive caster in that three pairing. Yeah. Lucas, right? No, the other way. Oh, I think right, I don't right, think right. you can play Zadaroth. I don't think you can play uh, Omo or Agathon oh, yeah, yeah. that effectively. Hmm. Hmm. Sad. I could be wrong. I didn't play a lot with Agathon. I played some with Omo. But Omo is very straightforward in similar ways to Karchiv without any of the efficiencies. Not anymore. And his so. heavies are not as good. <laughs> no, correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to uh, being a better list builder and smarter and uh, well, you had to you play better, damn it. I need to get a beer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd, uh, we talked a shitload about clock management. Um, went on giant tangents about assassination runs. What were we at before Chris just let, texted me that he left? Damn it. Nigel, were you here? No, I just texted. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, we, uh, we could basically go into, I, I think we'd skip, I just wanted to basically talk about the two things that were like, people, again, people identify uh, meta awareness as being like the biggest obstacle in like the game. being competitive. And as I don't think, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's, I just, I think those two, we kind of covered the two bigger things. List building though. I mean, we could go into that. We talked about maybe talking about list building and then we poo pooed it for a second, but we could. No, we, let's, we, let's do that. Right. Um, I mean, first of all, welcome to dark guidance. This is how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, would you believe it or not? Oh, there's going to be a giant tangent that involves it, like morphoses and uh, metamorphosizes into the main topic of the podcast. Would you believe it? And then we realize, oh yeah, we were meant to talk about something else. But yeah, I think we can talk about a bit about not just list building, but what categories lists actually fall into. Okay. If you don't mind. All right. So to me, 
I would say there are four real, four rough categories that lists fall into. Um, these are these are not just like you know these are not uh, from a wiki. This is just my own feelings on the matter. So basically, the four categories are: you've got casual lists, which are just you know for fuck around games. You've mm -hmm. got meme lists, like lists you take for memes, like the one I posted, which is just like what was it? Uh, like Old Witch Two in Wolves of Winter with like as many bombards as could bother, and the like double Greylord Forge Seer package, right? Or stuff like you know. Uh, Steve's, like, sorry, uh, Nigel's um, clam spam, right? Like, I literally have a list that, like, I literally spent a two plane trips trying to make a list called Clam Jam work. I don't even know what cast I want to play with it. Mm -hmm. I just knew that the name of the list was Clam Jam, and I wanted to see what I could make, <laughs> right? So, like, you got meme lists like that. Now, the th second is, like, uh, we'll call them, like, competitive lists, but we'll call them, like, realistically, it's, like, competitive slash tryhard lists, Right? Like, lists you want to take to a tournament because your goal is to do well. And then the final one is those top-tier lists for tournaments, which are their own sort of category, because they tend to be what everyone, especially on the internet, focuses on. These uh -huh. are the things like, you know, back a day would have been... Oh, what's, it, what's some... I mean, what are some good examples uh, of some two. abusive... Yeah, Lich 2, right? Like, good old Lich 2... Um, Haley 2, the different boats of Haley 2, like not just a caster, but also like a full thing. Um, I use the example is like Oracles of Annihilation, uh, back in Mark 2, Karchev Mad Dog Spam in Mark 3, you know, these kind of lists where when you play a normal competitive list into it, you feel like it's in a category of its own. They not sometimes they are because of abusive mechanics and they get nerfed. Like Infernals when they first came out, sorta of to some degree was this. Right, um, it doesn't necessarily mean they're unbeatable, but they are themselves powerful enough that you sort of have to like treat them as a class of their own. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the first thing to identify is what kind of list you actually want to build, because not every list has to be some tryhardy competitive list that's going to go three o, three o, four o, five o, x and one at a tournament, because you know that's you're not always going to strike gold. And second of all, there's only, um, sometimes you can have a brilliant idea and your faction just doesn't have the tools to pull it off. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, so yeah. For me, for me, like my problem, not, it's not a problem, but like a little hurdle that I have to jump over is, uh, I only play the small, the, uh, currently I'm only playing the two small factions. So it's like, you don't really have... To me, I build lists with modules in mind. Like, I want to just mm. test this module with whatever caster and see how it works. Uh, but I don't know what tier of shit you that falls into for your category. Probably jank, whatever it is. I don't know. But No, no, no. It's, it depends, right? Like, if it comes... I mean, we'll put it this way. Like, uh, the Ass Mountain concept is basically, all right, how many medium bases can I get into a list? And then... It just naturally falls into that. Oh, that can actually be a competitive list. It yep. goes in, right? This is one of the reasons, by the way, why it's not bad to just make silly jank lists or just you know do list building in general because it gets you thinking about stuff of like what does work in these modules and what doesn't. Sure. Like, look for similar reasons. I want to at some point basically see how many mana war I can physically get on the table in order to work out also whether it even works, right? And what parts do and don't, right? 
it's one of the like and you know similar thing like with crucible guard right maybe at some point someone's gonna go like all right let's get infinity rocket men on the table and see how it goes sure 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 and sure, it doesn't matter if it's terrible, right? It doesn't matter if it's, like, literally only playable in the set of matchups because, one, you'll get an experience of, like, what Rocketman will actually do, right? And two, it kind of puts you in situations where you start having to think about the game in terms of, all right, I have a set number of tools, what can I get out of these? Yeah. And it means that you might go into, like, well, look, all the Rocketmen are garbage, completely throw them in the bin, get all the units in, but maybe well, all the solos overperformed and they seem really cool. All right, we'll keep the solos. And yeah. then it start, you start making lists, which is basically like, or maybe you go, like, all right, I put Bennett in there because Major Bennett, she's just cool. She's a Rocketman. I wanted Rocketman, Rocket, Rocketeers in there, right? And then you think to yourself, actually, I only needed the unit I feed it in, right? Everyone else was just not necessary so right. fuck it let's go yep, yeah yep, yep yep i did find that too but you know i just yeah. like for gremkin at least it's been like uh kind of fun like jumping back into that faction just because uh like piggybacks i never really played with before uh yeah you know and i feel like they could be pretty decent you know in this meta i guess i don't know they're like 11 18s with impervious flesh seems like a pain in the ass to deal with, but bump getting the the death knell getting better helps them a lot too. Yep, and then um, what else? I don't know. I have just haven't really even attempted to play with Hollowman at all, but I kind of like want to just try them. You know, I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm, I know. I'm gonna stop you there. Yeah, I'm not, Hollowman, I'm not gonna... like the best unit in the entire faction. Man, oh shut! They up. don't need getting fixed at all. <laughs> Those guys are great. Okay, Brian, please stop it with your hate speech because people <laughs> might actually believe us, and we, we 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 can't be we can't be endorsing Hollow Men on no. this gun. I refuse. We are dark guidance. Sorry, dark, fully tilted guidance here. <laughs> have to stand for some things, right. and one of the things we will stand for is no Hollow Men. Okay, <laughs> get well, that shit out of here. Yeah, they're bad, but I'm just like, ah, is there something that makes them good? Yeah, probably. So. Just don't even bother. But you know the thing is, they uh, if I'm if I'm being real, it's their problem is that the Grimkin faction is like does nothing of what they want. Like fuck it, I'd probably look at playing Holloman if I was if we were playing in a different faction. True. We're not. We've got Grimkin. No one cares about what Holloman do. No. No. <laughs> so in the bin they go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like um, the UA's ability is just. The coin flip stuff is just stupid, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Anyway, we don't have to go into that. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite fun to build this for, I guess. It's just a different animal than playing Crucible. They're Guard. pretty... They're a very different animal. Yeah. So. I'm, All right. I'm officially <laughs> going to do something very out of the ordinary. I'm going to stop a tangent because fuck yeah. all of them. <laughs> fuck hey, this uh, shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so you are going through your four categories. Um, yeah. So four rough categories. Yeah, casual, ahead. casual memes, uh, like competitive lists, and then the top tier of competitive lists that border on abusive that cause the internet to rage, sure. or even just take note of. Right, the ones that like every like you know, anyone on Facebook would say is literally every player is running this list. Yeah. Um. So I think you saying modules is actually a good way to start because fundamentally that's actually 
actually how the game functions due to the themes. Even with the factions which have very broad themes, like say Crucible God, like their theme, one of their themes is literally take everything. Um, they still fall into this because you then have different modules within the like within there where sort of work together. So usually it all starts like you can build a list independent of a caster and then try and slot one in. Um, which I think is more important when you're testing out concepts. And again, that's one of the things to note is you want to be, even if the list itself is not going to end up being competitive, I mean, one, you may be surprised, but more realistically, two, you'll learn out what part of the modules actually do what. Yeah. And that's when you start looking at things and going, okay, I think we're actually going to be going X and Y and Z. Um, Oh, yeah, maybe we're swapping themes to get a slightly different package um, in. So I'd say the first thing with, like, first things first, identify what your own list is and be realistic about it. And, again, not every list has to be top-tier competitive, whole, like, basically, you know, like, uh, top-tier competitive, like, not stomping, mad dog spamming craziness, I mean, like, right? Like Nigel said at the beginning of the cast or before we record. Like he submitted a strike off to list and his first comments like, well, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you just playing card chef too? Well, that's not. Th thanks for the help. You know, but yeah. <laughs> thanks guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. Oh, yeah, the second is like, if you submit a list online, right? Yeah. Uh, the second, this is completely different. Is like, if you submit a list online, congratulations. The amount of what the feedback you're going to get is going to be questionable. <laughs> Um, but it's also like there'll be people like you'll even get honest feedback, but it might be the stuff you want to because they might not be looking at the list the same way you are. When I see your track of two lists, like Nigel, I'm not thinking you're playing this for competitive. I'm thinking mm -hmm. you're playing this because you want to do something dumb and surprise, surprise, you are. Yeah. You're doing memes, right? And cool. Memes are like, again, I have absolutely no problem with making meme lists because they kind of help you identify casters in a different way that you start looking at like the little things that they do. And it's important. You look now, at the, like, look at the, so, you know, we call it a meme list, but like a meme list doesn't, the idea of a meme list is you're taking an extremely powerful mechanic. That's just not easy to apply or has some sort of like a generic, like weakness, <clears throat> like generic limitation to it. But if you can get it applied, it's ridiculous. And so you're just trying to manufacture, you want to manufacture because there could be something there. It's like if you can deliver, yeah. in my case, either last standard Alexia one or last standard Sea uh, Dogs um, uh, press gangers, so you take uh, Valchev last standard. So the concept is you last standard degenerate unit like that, and then they go in, you know, you, you deploy Alexia out of formation so that you can last stand the unit, and then she gets in. And because you've got Valchev, uh, she walks into formation six, and then they still move three more. And so you don't uh, even. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop you right here. Oh. You cannot deploy models out of formation. You can't what? You oh, you cannot. can't. Oh, I thought that was like the whole point. You can't. Hmm. No, it's I tried because that's exactly what I tried as well. <laughs> uh, well, actually, actually, because of Valchev, though, you could still. No, no, no. You, you still you can't. You cannot. No, no, deploy no, no. It's not that. Yeah, moving past that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the you can still walk forward six, uh, make yeah. a solo, then the Zephyr out of formation, uh, and then next turn, you know, because it's, it's a walking unit, yeah, it's not like a, it's not yes. a running unit, so it's like, yeah, so then you next turn, you like at the end, so they walk, 
get out of formation as they end their activation. Then your caster moves up, last stands them. The next turn, they're you know, it's like it's you're yeah, off and that, running. That all definitely that all works. Yeah. Fuck. At that point, you can actually, if you want to go next level, you can then kill Valachev yourself. Yeah. And then Alexia becomes the leader again, but the upkeep because it's already on the unit just stays on the unit. Mm -hmm. Now you're thinking with portals. <laughs> yeah, but don't you don't you just want Valachev though? <laughs> I mean, it, you know, if if you, yeah, I mean, if you like need Alexia to go that turn, then Valachev is jumping on the like Valachev is getting summarily executed. Sorry, I, dude. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If someone, yeah. if someone, if someone at the yeah, um, someone goes like, oh, that's that's great. All right, I guess I'll like just get into Alexia's shit. Right, like she can't yeah. do anything because she's out of formation. Then you're like, oh, okay, surprise, motherfucker, Valachev is dead. Alexia is in business. So, so yeah. you you have a super powerful buff, and then you've got like two units of Doom Reavers and three units of Turnians in that list, and so you've got like tri triple recursion. So you're like collecting the Doom Reaver souls, turning those into Risen, and then the Turnians are turning other people's stuff into Doom Reavers, and so you get this cool like uh, I'm just fascinated with that like weird recycling concept, and then the Sea Dogs, mm -hmm. the Press Gangers, that like module, and with Last Stand, you don't. The limitation of the unit is typically that it sucks balls, whereas with last stand it doesn't. And then also like, um, you could do just weird stuff like you could charge with the unit, uh, make a bunch of attacks, a bunch of last stand models, and then Alexia it just spends them all to go ham on like a colossal, and she's yeah. sure she's gonna die because the last you know. But it's like the unit got to use last stand and then get reused by Alexia on the way out, which is super cute. Yep. Um. Uh, so, like, hell, you could you could last stand with some of the models and like make the attacks, and then she could b just spend two of them buying and boosting like a gunshot. You know, like it's kind of cool. Just uh, she just, doesn't die if she takes a hand cannon shot. So yes, yeah, exactly. So you can still kind of get extra value out of those two guys, and then the, <laughs> with this with the press gangers. The idea with that is last stand is like you'll charge models, then it doesn't work the way I want it to because the timing because last stand they die at the end of the turn, right? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work it necessarily the way I was envisioning it was like a guy makes an attack, he kills somebody, he blows up, then the next guy makes an attack, he kills somebody, and press gangs that model into the unit, replacing the guy that just died. It doesn't quite work that way, but it still kind of works if you've got models lost on the way on the approach. So then the first guy making the attack can replenish your unit if you're under top strength. And when you do press gang, you can put them in formation so that they're getting your, your gang bonuses, you know, so he's like, mm. so that that's kind of cool. Um, but anyways, you just have like neat combos. You're like, this could be something. The Just knowing full well that the meta is not going to cooperate with you. You're going to play circle list where you're never going to get that unit into base to base with anything. Uh, gun line, you know, Kalissa list that you'll never get, Lilith four list, that list of that my unit is never getting across the table, you know, like, um, so you know that it's got like limitations, but you're like, yeah, can I manufacture in a list that has tons of clouds, you know, like a way to get it yeah. over? And here's, here's also one thing to consider is that let's just say you play this because, like, fuck it, like, you want to actually play this and just like, you know, this won't be an internet meme. We're going to actually play it on a game, and yeah. the game goes horribly. It goes absolutely terribly, right? Nothing works. But you're still going to get the practice in, even with your crazy 
like random meme shit, you're still going to get the practice in using Doom Reavers, using Grey Lords, using the caster himself, Strakov too, because he's just he's a cool guy. It's a pity he doesn't really have a home because honestly, Iron Fangs would be his home, and also Valachev, if he could be in more lists, that would be fun. Yeah, like you're still going to get the, that practice in, and hey, like. The other thing with, quote, memeless is sometimes they take a logical concept to an extreme or they try and make some kind of hard-to-use abusive combo, and sometimes you actually find that setting is not even that extreme, and that's how you end up with, you know, uh, I don't know, lists like Mad Dog Spam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, like, look, then that's how you then start doing the really dark thing of, like, then taking Mad Mad Dog Spam and trying to make it better. Because, you know, everyone wants that in life. Um, but, like, this would be how lists like, say, Zakova 2, like, I, I mean, the first list I threw together for Zakova 2 with basically, like, a Victor and then all the, like, magic dudes I could figure out, right? That list is very meme Like, it only does realistically... It, it, it tells you right away that you're killing your opponent, right? You're going for the caster. It's extremely streamlined, but it fucking works, yeah. right? It's extreme. If your opponent can't counter it, it's very and it has a caster that will die to that sort of thing. It is very reliable. Yeah, for sure. Now that's actually a thing with memeless is that not always are they good for the game or good to play, but they definitely good as a thought concept behind. Right? You're always gonna get something out of it, and if nothing else, you sometimes will get surprised. Yep, for sure. Um. In general, I'd say for me personally, when I'm making is just uh, I tend to either focus on a core idea, ideally to answer something, or look at as you said modules, right? The kind of modules, and it's not necessarily this. Generally speaking, I'd say two phases to good list building, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, the first is like getting your core list down, and honestly, the best way I think of doing this is actually just taking the list to its logical, unoptimized extreme. So if you're playing, I don't know, uh, Mana War, all right? Because I was going to think of a non-Kadal example, and then I realized that I shouldn't lie to myself and pretend I'm not a Kadal player. Yeah. All right. So let's just say you're playing Mana War. You want to test out how viable Mana War are, right? Your first list probably should just be every fucking Shock Trooper you can get, every tanker you can get, and go ham, right? Just see how the list plays, right? Take its logical stream, giant armor, pick whatever cast you feel like, get some more armor. And then you can play one game of that and you can work out pretty quickly what does and does not work. And like I can tell you from experience, three shock troopers is complete meme overkill, although it is very funny. Yeah. But then it's just like, I'm like, fuck, I actually want demo core and I feel like weird about it, but that's like the truth of it. And it's actually things where even in Save Lad 2, I'm actually coming around the idea of running Bulkhead, even though Bulkhead has almost no direct synergy with Vlad apart from getting Hand of Fate for the uh, spray, because actually when you Hand of Fate him and you shotgun stuff, because of the way like it, people catch on Shock Troopers a lot, right? They'll have to charge in to clear them out. Bulkhead yeah. is actually really good at, first of all, you can't realistically shoot him from behind. Second is that he gives you like a good shield guard. Uh, especially on the weakened shock troopers, like often people try and finish off, sh- like they'll take a big giant ass gunshot and they'll put on a shock trooper and I don't know, they'll roll, they'll roll good enough and they'll drop into like three boxes left. 
Yep. And then they'll try and finish him off. It's a very different kettle of fish when they're trying to finish him off and there's a shield guard by. Like, you know, let's just say you drop, you shoot a, you shoot Behemoth at a shock trooper twice, you drop, you kill one guy and you drop the other guy to like, I don't know, two boxes or something, right? Yeah. Because you're rolling good, right? You're a great player. Congratulations. And then it's very different when the Widowmaker behind can't finish off said shock trooper because there's a, there's a shield guard running there. Now, from a core perspective, this is not. This doesn't make sense, right? You're like you're you're deliberately cutting into opt, like quote optimization to add more flexibility. But the game we're playing is not just about throwing numbers at the table. If it was, we'd be playing 40k and we'd be running Imperial Guard and trying to get or orcs and trying to get as many heavy weapons in the list as possible with as much bodies as possible. Yeah. No. Instead, a lot of times it's about like how does this all interact? What modules can and cannot be cut? What tends to leads to an overall better working and experience? Bulkhead, bulkhead's like um, he's a he's specifically like a guy you put in after you've played a game and you realize, oh boy, I wanted a guy who could charge through my own models with bulldoze and then the sprays. Like, turns out that's amazing. And then yeah. Yeah, he's very slow and he's got some limitations, but that's not at all limitations when you just need a guy who can like bulldoze crap, chaff, you know, Rissavos defenders or whatever, you know, off your dudes. Yeah, and it's also, that's actually like one of the reasons I figured it out. It's just like, I want something like this guy, even though like tankers do a similar thing, but like a suppression tanker, sorry, everyone in advance but they can't charge and spray <laughs> that might have been my bad that might have been, they can't also do it in combat again that might have been my bad um yeah things like that is only really comes around after you do it and that's when your list starts going through refinements you start looking at things like what warjack package you go all right just to peel it away from kador for a while right let's just go back to grimkin so we could go like your first inclination you want to run piggybacks cool run two units of them Pick a caster, fuck it, we'll pick like a heretic because everyone says heretic and see how it goes. And then you'll be like looking, okay, what are the actual weaknesses of having the um, the freaking, the piggybacks in? What do they not want to see? And does my caster or does my battle group support this in any way? And what can I change to make it better? Like you'd be thinking to yourself, maybe the first inclination might be heretic, but it might be a case of maybe, maybe we actually want someone like uh, weirdly Anyone who makes clockatrices better because clocks are better with, like, because they can give, like, they can fly over the piggybacks and the piggybacks can catch stuff, but the clocks can just basically free things up. And you might be like, okay, well, that's great and all, but I need something as well for a heavy that comes in. And that's like, okay, there's where your skinny boy comes in. And then somehow you end up with, like, a child list with double piggybacks and you're wondering where life went wrong. Now, it doesn't always work out best. Sometimes you end up with dead ends. Sometimes you realize the concept doesn't quite work out, and but that's part of the experience. Did I hear Jesse right though? And he's uh, they are they actually they're eleven eighteens with impervious flesh, and then also uh, is that with the death knell or is that are they? I'm pretty sure that's with the death knell, but let me check. Okay, uh, that was like uh, if it they, might actually if, be twenties. That's right. You might not need the death knell anymore. I remember that. Hang well, on a minute. if you if you can make them, they 20s. are eleven eighteens without the death knell. Oh my god, gross! Flesh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and they have defensive line on their mini feet. I know their mini feet is good. Their only problem is they're kind of exy expensive. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's just shit like that. I, I I can tell you from experience playing um 
shield wall units is often you just want a unit that can charge. Uh, but shield wall has also gotten a lot better because of the buffs to it. And that really helps. It yeah. really, it's like, you'd be surprised at how much better that unit, units like that get when, because one of the problems we have with shield wall, like normally when you're running and charging a melee unit, right? The units, the models that don't charge obviously can run and then they can run into advantageous spots for next turn, which you don't necessarily get with shield wall. Well, yeah. that is no longer the problem. Like you've run AKs before, right, Nigel? Yeah. Yeah, you know what happens with the AKs that aren't in range and aren't bo- busy gassing stuff? They're shield walling and they're getting to advantageous spots. <laughs> yeah. And some of them are walking nine inches backwards and they're walking next to the caster so they can be a fireproof and corrosion proof shield guard for your dude, your caster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's why I think is like my general thoughts on like how to start with this building again, like you sort of go with the like, I wouldn't even say like the logical extreme all the time, but like you, you want to initially start with what you think are the power modules and then work from there. And look, sometimes it means that the, the modules just work and you're like, cool. All right. The trick, all we need to do now is just like start refining the other bits. And that could be as simple as just changing up your battle group. And you know what? That, that's perfectly fine as well. I suppose, actually, since we got me on a uh, uh, tangent there, um, Battle Group is probably one of the least uh, rated and least recognized points of flexibility in any list. Even if you're spamming Infinity Dudes or doing something like that, changes to your Battle Group are actually quite important. And they can be as simple as just like, you're still running two heavies, swap one of them out. You're running two Arc Nodes, swap which Arc Node out. That sort of stuff is actually kind of, it's kind of good. It's kind of important. Yeah, you, yeah. A lot of people just have like, Bruce Bugar players are just like, I'm taking the Windicator, and then, and, and yeah, I'm taking. It's probably correct, but, but maybe it isn't. In actual fact, a lot of times, it's, I've, I've like you've been noticing people starting to cut into Vindicators, right? Yeah. And the reasons they are doing it themselves are probably actually quite different for what outside people are looking in, because they'd be like, "Well, things that died of Vindicators were dying to Crucible Guard anyway, so who cares?" Yeah. And they're getting like, I only need the one in order to make sure that I've got enough, um, what you call it, enough gas to go around to yep. fuck everyone over, and that one Vindicator is probably already going to make people's lives miserable. Yeah. Instead, it's like, all right, let's get some suppressors in here because we need, we want to get more like, um, we got more of the juice, the uh, the what was it, the freeze in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all good. We're literally talking about like piggybacks and stuff. I'm just like, why isn't Jesse piping up into this? I've literally recommended piggybacks and clocks with child somehow. No, 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 it's all good, all good. <laughs> I'm like, I was hoping you were back for that part. <laughs> oh, well. Professional podcasting, everyone. Here we are. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That was That's how I at least approach list building and also how I sort of look into it. I think the important things are, at least to me, just to finalize my own, like, 20-minute, you know, sidebar. All right. I'd say it's, like, three main points one is basically how like be honest with yourself when critiquing your list like forget about dice don't worry about it like think about like 
what parts of your list worked and what didn't. And it can be as simple as like, I don't like this model. Cool. That's good enough for yourself because you're the one you're trying to impress, right? But be honest with why you dislike something. The second is like, if you're planning on making a list, even if it's a casual one, look at what parts you can refine to make it I like based on its goal. Its goal might be the goals do change on all of them. Like with a casual list, honestly, I'd be making refinements to make it more fun or more accessible or just less of a headache to play. If I'm making some meme shit, right, we'd be like, okay, what models are we cutting in order to make the list a bit more normal or a bit more funny to play? Or <laughs> just hilarious, right? Yeah. Like what parts of these aren't working? Right. And if we're making some like, you know, ass crushing competitive what parts are giving my opponent fun and how do we ex you know remove that from the equation so opponents have less fun in the game and are more miserable so that we can really push their shit in how can we make james morehouse more likely to go for a turn one assassination instead of the turn two or three assassination like he commonly does like how can we pull this off by making our list more oppressive and i think the yeah, and I'd say the third point, honestly, is just basically, like, be open to dropping things, right? Especially if they don't necessarily work or, like, don't get completely attached to a package because that starts limiting your list building, your capacity to make changes. And honestly, sometimes it's it leads you down nice paths. Like, you start thinking of, like, all right, I know... I have a habit of putting Alexia in literally every list, but maybe we cut her and we put in a Thamorite Archon because I hear those are pretty good. Or vice versa. You're like, oh, I hear Thamorite Archon's good, but let's cut him and put in some other solo or even just cut him and free up the points for a Warjack. Anyway, that's all me. What about you guys? Do you put any of this thought to list building? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm always... Uh, I, I wouldn't say I, there's... It's, it's, I'll be going through War Room it'll start somewhere with like i gotta solve a problem and it's annoying me you know like a meta problem and then it, so right off the bat it's like i'm playing against something you know like wormwood or uh kaya 2 or chromec 1 or Carchip 2 or whatever somebody's got a prop someone's a problem child in the meta and in, in like competitive games and that's fine but i want to solve it in a way that's like not I want to I want to solve it in a way that's off the rack, and so like and to see if it's got general application because a lot of times if you solve it off the rack you'll find it's got different weaknesses and better matchups elsewhere like um so if like if your solve for Karchev two is you know x x thing and you know Kaya two but you then you can't drop Kaya two and like half the others you know she just got to run and hide from so many matchups you know so what are you pairing her with and all that stuff so like. I'll start somewhere like that, but there, there, that's the that's the one place I start. The next place I start is when I'm going through War Room, and I get uh, I basically go through like mental tangential. Like I started trying to solve a problem, but now I'm really getting hyper focused on like one specific thing. Like how do I make last stand work, <laughs> or yeah. uh, how do I make something that's extremely powerful that we can't use for some reason, and then make it sweet, um, and then. I just there's some sort of thing there that like uh like currently my my actual overarching obsession is Wolves of Winter. I think Wolves of Winter is probably the best tier list we have, even though it's got the dumbest fucking troop 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 like I hate Doom Reaver so much. But like the Colden Lord package is so strong that it's like you you know, you can take one Merc unit 
and then basically combos with a ham sandwich like in, in that and then um you know doom reavers aren't great but they do apparate uh, so that's pretty sweet or if you take the cavalry so it's like what casters and combos and stuff like that can i get out of this and it's, it's super fun actually like the butcher three one was like unexpectedly powerful um it's your butcher three list actually if you don't mind what's you that post it or uh, I, 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 it's super simple because you basically take all the good stuff and take two of it like it's butcher three with a demolisher and ruin and then i take the uh i can't remember if i take the i take the adjunct mostly just so that the colden lords have that ability um the colden lords two colden lords one forge seer uh two units of turn no three units of turnians two units of doom reavers two void daddies um i took the hermit of henchhold and mm. um trying to think of anything i'm missing i think that basic oh i took a, a unit of eliminators as like my unit uh mm-hmm. those those guys actually are pretty gold um this list had a little bit of some scornergy some nonbos for instance the two best units for silence of death is himself and the eliminators and that's basically the only things you can put it on so that that was rough i mean you yeah. can put it on you can put it on ruin but yeah you don't have like a huge buy like a huge uh just ball buster unit you can put it on like uh, a unit of assault commandos or something cool that would really mm. but silence of death is unexpectedly i just did it because i was like i want to impact i want to have a badass caster who's kind of hard to deal with i basically want to put clouds in the dogs and force people to proc vengeance and then i'm gonna have the hermit of henshold there to like just do a bunch of, it's hermit henshold just a, a such a sweet piece in wolves of winter because he's like um He's plus damage if he needs to be plus damage with risk. He's a free, like, get out of jail free card, you know, a Madrak one scroll on damage, which protects, if you're, oh god, you're a midline caster, guess what you need? But he also protects, like, all those solos. Like, there's so many solos that people are like, you know, I gotta get rid of that Colden Lord, and then they'll go for him, and you're well, like, I gotta no. get rid of that fucking Void Daddy. Yeah, the Void That's Daddy, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's such a ball buster, but then your whole list is magic attacks. So it's like he te- telemetries. Oh my God. That, I was just busted nuts with telemetry. It was way better than it was like the stupidest tech on his card. And that was clearly causing me to nah. spooch the hardest. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was really fun. <laughs> Turnians, Graylord Turnians are so good. They are so goddamn good. I'll, I'll never make a list out three of them. I don't think anymore. Like, yes, <laughs> they're just, I, I can't tell you how awesome it is. I have like, how much of a premium I put on units that do like three things, you know, like they're like, they can debuff, they can make clouds and then they can just straight shoot you in the face with pretty good guns. Like, oh, and they accidentally have tech attached to them as well. It's yeah. I like, you know, sometimes RFP, they just accidentally have RFP. You're like, Oh, yeah. okay. I like yeah. It. The, the, the R the RFPs fits. That list was silence of death. The turnians, uh, you strangely have a ton of RFP. And then also you have like with the eliminators, you still have like a little extra tough, tough denial. Plus you have the two void daddies. You just don't give a shit about tough in that list. Uh, it's an interesting, like it's interesting. Also like, Oh no, they've got, uh, they've got archons. Guess what? Archons there can't be knocked down, but guess what? They can be, they can be made stationary. So like, mm-hmm. Oh, the turnians, man, when they get going and when you've got telemetry and they're just, they don't care. Oh man, it's, it's sweet. So I'm a little excited about that list. I mean, don't mean to spooge, but it was like, uh, I'll probably get just shredded by like Charles Sung in my next game or whatever in the scrambler. But like, 
you know, <laughs> I do think there's something there. I don't know. Yeah. And I think you're right. Uh, funnily enough, I don't think Wolves of Winter is the best list raw power in Cadle, but I do think it is by far the most unexplored because, I mean, before it was basically Doom Reavers and support. Now the Doom Reavers are functionally worse. Like there's better things than them. Yeah. But all of the other stuff is actually a lot better. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, why, like, Sokova 2, even though no one wants to play her and kind of no one really should, right, is actually insanely powerful right now because a lot of the stuff there is just better. I mean, you do know that all the Grey Lords just have support. Because, sorry, Sprawl now because yeah. of the Golden Lords. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Right, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's super gross. Like, they just, they like, so, like, your turn one unpack, like, in the Butcher, in, in the Butcher 3, your turn one unpack is, you know, Butcher puts silence to death on himself. Uh, he energizes and charges, so he's like ten inches or whatever up the field. And then um, they put the dogs are running, so they get in front of him. And then you just cloud those up. And then you know your spare Turnian clouds himself, so he's prowling. The Colden Lords are causing cloud. You know your whole list is in clouds and prowling. And the Doom Reavers are independent. What's great about Butcher is like we were talking about Cossites, the the value of Cossites. You just can like extreme the Doom Reavers' job. They can actually just go an extreme flank. And they're kind of interesting because you can sort of um, take like two or three of them. It, it's the old er, people, you know, Kator, everybody, everybody in infantry has done this since the dawn of time. It's like they throw, throw about two of the unit forward to act as like, they're not jamming. They're just up. Yeah, they're bait. They're bait. And everybody else is way back. Um, so they're doing that, but they're doing that at extreme flanks. And what's cool about that is that if people bite on that, they're just so where no, like, you're absolutely housing. It's such a it's such a house for you because you're going to apparate either back towards the middle and then charge back to the middle. Uh, so you're baiting them to the outer edges and then you're kind of re redirecting. And then also the turnians are kind of putting guys back in the unit if you're if you need that to be done. So like you can afford to get rid of a couple guys here and there. Like uh, it's uh, yeah they're they're not good, but they're in the butcher three list. They're kind of sweet because they just. He doesn't need them to do anything, and vice versa. Like they don't need each other. They, but Butcher Three just needs to do his thing. Mm -hmm. And then the Butcher Void Three wants a very independent list, right? Yeah, totally. I'll put it this way: you kind of just got me. All of this has got me thinking of playing a Karchev list with in Wolves of Winter. <laughs> I yeah. think you could play Karchev in pretty much any list at this point. Uh, I was actually thinking Karchev one, funnily enough, but yeah. I yeah. was not specifying which Karchev. It's true. It's true. I'm pretty sure you could play either of those two in any list. At That's this what. Point. Yeah, but you're you're totally onto my my point about wolves. Is I think it's the best tier if you don't give a shit about your Jax having Pathfinder. Um, I think it's just the best tier because the Colden Lords, and then you know if you take one Forge Seer and two Golden Lords, Ooh. you've got four. You've got three. Forge Seers, you know, like you don't, you have so much. You eat the, you eat the four points. You sacrifice them to the utility gods, and but then you in turn get like the most diversified portfolio, Colden Lords you've ever seen. So it's funny you just said that. It's just like, oh well, you don't get Pathfinder. It's like that's not true. We can spam Codex, and I've been meaning to do that for a while. We can yeah. do that here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh my god, I just, I just made a list. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it's a. Yeah. Okay. All right. okay. I actually, yeah, yeah okay. I, I literally just like smashed this together as you were saying it. All right. I got a list. It's Karchev with a Demolisher. Karchev one, by the way. A yeah. Demolisher, five Kodiaks, and an Adjunct. 
Uh, we have a unit of Doom Reavers and the three minimum, like, you know, the minimum allowance of Turnian, which is, of course, three. Yep. Uh, two Colden Lords and the Forge Seer and Alexia 2. And I reckon I could cut something in order to get the, like, uh, escort on the Doom Reavers in case we want it. But yeah, like, this one, I mean, the Demolisher I've been meaning to play for a while. Uh, the Kodiaks, I think, are just like, because they're now 12 points and you fix their damage output by Colden Lords doing the Brittle Frost. Yep. And just other things. I've always had a problem with focus allocation with Karchev 1, so we can fix that with, like, uh, the Grey Lords. And it's Karchev, so maybe we don't give a shit about, like, damage. We'll just see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, like, all right, just so we're not doing Kador, do you want to, like, pick a, like, thing just on this cast and do some live list building using whatever crap we've been putting in just to sort of round this out? Because I don't know how long we've been talking for, but I assume it's a while. <laughs> Two and a half hours, I think. Two and a half hours. Beautiful. Easy, All right, easy. we can make it. We 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 can make it a three then. Oh, yeah, All right. In true dark guidance fashion. In true dark full tilt guidance fashion. All right, uh, Brian or Jesse, one of you guys, pick a like faction and let's just try this. <laughs> um. Uh, we both have experience in Crucible Guard, so why don't we do that? True. All right, Crucible Guard, it is. Okay. So, are we making some meme shit, or do we want to be try-hard competitive people? Memes, my friend. Alright, memes. Okay. I'm thinking then the memes that no one's really looked at might in fact be Rocketmen, but what do you guys reckon? I agree, but... The Rocketmen? Yeah, okay. So let's go for it. Do it. in Mopus? Alright. Yep, you got to play it. Unless you play Bennett, then you can take him. Yeah, but then we're not taking extras. You can't take the solos, right? Yeah, Prime materials. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're playing in Magnum Opus. So let's have a look, see. What caster should we start this off? Should we go with just Lucas or go Bennett? You can play some In fact, actually, you, got, you guys go on. Like, what caster? Like, yeah, so we're looking at modules for Rocketman. And realistically, I'm guessing that it's meaning we're going to go three units of Rocketman with I mean, UAs. I, not, I, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> Are you playing Max Rocketman or? Because it's just well, I just started with Max Rocketman because <laughs> why not? You know, in fact, let me let me see. All right, so in order to put every person with a rocket person tag to in is a mere fifty nine points out of your seventy five yep. point list. I haven't put the gunners on there as well yet, by the way, because there's the fucking well, there's another eighteen points, my friend. So well, all right, they, so we actually they, can they take Eros too? They cannot take a rusk. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really good. Ooh, that would be that would be pretty good. Boy, that'd be right. good. For quite a lot of reasons. <laughs> Although I think a rusk would probably want. All right, so starting this off at seventy-five points, using all the free cards, we can get three max units, only eight of the gunners, both aces, and both stingers. Wow. Why do you? That list isn't going to kill anything. No. You're right. I told you, this is meme trash yeah, no, here. <laughs> so we can no, cut one memes of the units still have to do something, Chris. All right, all right. Fine. All right, we'll <laughs> cut a unit of Rocketman, because why not? We want to actually win games. All right, what cast are we picking? What do you think, Brian? Fucking okay. What's that? Who's, what casters do we have? Who's got well, D-cell? Uh, okay, play that. 
Wait, I, diesel. I, I, that's the that's the armor bonus one. Not oh, oh, oh is that is that defensive armor? Oh, never mind. It's not, no, it's not defensive. Oh, yeah, no, no, we just have it. We have soul. Yeah. Okay. So oh, if playing, you want actually... defense, it's Lucas or Silvestro, and then it goes on one unit or clouds to stack stuff. I do Okay, let's do Sylvester. He's a bit underexplored anyway. All right. So far, by the way, our suggested oh, casters for this package are Haley 2 in Mark 2 and Erosk 2. Yep. <laughs> but all right. So I'm old, I think right away I'm starting to see a slight thing. Is like we probably just cut the second. We only need one giant max unit of Rocketman because, like, why not, right? But we'll keep all the solos because they're good. Yeah. They are good. They're very good. All right. What does it leave? Now we've Sylvestro in that. We'll just give him a min battle group. So we'll give him, uh, what do people do? Fuck it. Double Vindicator. Cool. Why not? I don't give a fuck. But double Vindicators. You can do uh, Vindicator Suppressor too. Okay. Vindicator Suppressor. And we'll, we'll fix it from, we'll fix it in post. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay All right. You have 39 of your 75 points used. All right. So well, now we probably need to get some stuff. Left. So. We do have this defensive person who's the ascendant mentalist. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon apparently the minimum points. amount of that is yeah. So we'll get two of those mentalists in. Mm -hmm. Now, what else? Uh, four trances because that's the minimum number I feel that's applicable for a crucible guard list, and they're the best free card choice accessible. Yeah, trances are so good. I fucking hate those guys. They're very good. Uh... All right. So we're now at 43 out of 75 points. So what we got there? 32 to spend. So originally, when I used to play a lot of the Toro in the battle group, just to backtrack to that, because uh, yep. that the admonition counter charge is just funny. And mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, yeah, in the later uh, stages of tournament rounds, most players know that that's there, but then you have those brain fart moments in rounds, you know, round four and five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then you just forget about it, and it, it's always fun to happen. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, he kind of just helps everything, really, with, uh, you know, transmutation. I kind of do want to, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Brian. I do like Liberators with him. Just, uh, if it depends on kind of what you want to play the list four, you know? Yeah, well, what does the list want to do? We have Rocketmen, so they're an annoying flanking unit, or they could be in the center of the table. I mean, they're there to be defense agilion. Yeah. Two Rocketmen Ace, which are nice spot removals, and the Stingers, Stingers are two nice control pieces. Yep. Um, so literally makes everything better. Does he want a tank to give free concealment to the unit? Uh, I think he just wants a tank, period, because yeah. the train is just nice. It, well, oh. there you go. So that's a railist. Yeah, sprays on that feet turn are so good. So. Um, and did did we add the Toro, or were we just considering it? Well, I, just, I thought it was, it was I, you know, that was just a thing I used to do with it back in the day. It doesn't have to be. Yep, that's fair. Um, um, so, it normal like, 20, I, like, if you transmutate it, it's, you know, death, it's a 1320 thing that sits what? there. Yeah, but are you transmuting it, or are you transmuting your... Well, you know, you change it over, I don't know. It's no, 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 you, it's, it's actually good as a backup transmute thing, but so is a Vindicate. Like, you just want it because well, it's just... Okay. Like, 
Yeah. Then do we then do we put it, a third heavy in the battle group, or do we take the suppressor Prospero. and put it on a Civet, uh, on a Prospero? Yeah, I like that too. All right, so we can change Sylvestro's one to a Toro because you know that is makes a bit more sense. Sure. And I we can think get... then we take the Mentalist, which are four points because we have yep. one for free, right? Correct. So I think we make Prospero free then. Because he's five. You don't necessarily have to put the suppressor on there. Retaliator there. Uh, I like it. I think he benefits the most from it. No, he definitely. Yeah, no, totally. Um, but then uh, that retaliator's shot types can come in clutch too. Not necessarily against this list, but, you know. Yeah, this list doesn't need it as much. No. What's that, Nigel? So we have three points left. Nigel? Is that Alice? Nope. I was like, what's what's Sylvester's battle group again? Uh, Toro. Currently Vindicator Toro. Toro. So three points left over. So, we only I have use, a, no other units, a, right? No, no other units Man. at the moment. I, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know failed experiments are just that good, but fuck, they're good. <laughs> Him too, mm, so. Good point. I actually am thinking we cut Prospero in the, the like rail uh, suppressor and we get those those bad boys in, get the last mentalist in, and then at that point we've got all the beef in the world backed up by a tank. Yeah. I like that. And then we've got a second unit we can put it, and that leaves us with two points. I also have another cook where we could also we could cut the failed experiments, get two mentalists, and get two tanks in addition. Oh, like so we got two tra- yeah, okay. Yeah, so, good. like, the, the one I came up with was Sylvestro, Toro Vindicator for your battle group. Can be a suppressor, whatever. Don't really care. Mm-hmm. Right? Two Mentalists, two Aces, two Stingers, four Trances. <laughs> the max unit of Rocket Men with all the trimmings, and then two Trains. Okay. Yeah, I like that a lot. And I How think many Aces and Stingers do we have? All of them. <laughs> what am I missing, then? Oh, three points. That's what. Uh, it might be a mentalist or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's fine because we got rid of Prosper, so we got a requisition point back. Yeah. Yes, there's there's the tank for exactly that. I don't know if I like two tanks. Yeah, I think actually you might be right. I think the experiments are better because we want we want to also revive stuff, and reviving Rocketman is just a bit sad. Sure. And that gives two points if we cut that one of the trains for an experiment. That means that we've got. Two points, which can just be like the most least intelligent battle group, which is just two vindicators. Right, yes, that's what I was going to recommend. There we go. If you're that, all right, we did know, it. We the, did it. Internet. We solved Crucible God. There you go. There's your list. If you really feel like you need it, then you could you could just take the battle group as is and then put two mechanics yep. in there. And two mechanics, yeah. Yep. I was talking to uh, Josh Bates about it, and he didn't like the idea, but a you can transmutate a Death Archon. Which is quite funny. Makes it a oh 16 my goodness. 17, and it, it's power 17 weapons. So that's Fuck, funny. there's got to be some... Maybe not this list, but got to be something there for that. That sounds like a bit too sexy to like be believed. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, that's friendly. Yes, it's the only friendly spell in the game, I think. But, uh, fuck me, Because All it's right. offensive and friendly. You know, so... What the fuck? Yeah. What the <laughs> shit? He didn't like the idea, I guess, because he's just like, he doesn't do anything. Because he hates fun is I the guess, reason why. Agree, but I'm like, man, I gotta make this work somehow, so... But... Um, oh my god. What? We have, like, two... Three. Okay, we have three. We have three, like, actual work models, though. 
Yeah, no, that's the problem with the the Rockman package. It just doesn't really do, it doesn't do anything. They're not really there to do anything, I guess. In the all right, all right. Points, so <laughs> I know I that we saw experiments are the same problem. Both those units are not attri- they, like yeah. they're attrition pieces, but they're they tempo have... pieces, not trade pieces. Yes, yeah. yeah. Kind of there to jam, and hopefully you can score something eventually. The three that are left over. <laughs> Um, hey, you got revived. That will help. True. I mean, maybe will them, so that's nice. <laughs> feet will heal them. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to think. I really like that Death Archon. I want him in there. For, I, I don't think it's good in this list, but I'm no. like, God damn it! No, no, no not good zero. in this list, Chris. If you want to do that, then we have to go look at another build entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Let's not let's not do that. Let's we can do one more faction. Pick another faction. Uh, One one caveat in the event that like we could also cut the rocketmen to minimum, get rid of all the gunners, and get two units of max failed experiments in there. I like that a lot. (laughs) Cutting the rockets to minimum is oh, but that's. What, what's that? It's better, right? It's yeah. generally better. I'll just post it up. That's what I came up with. But failed but failed experiment two failed experiment units don't change the problem with the list. Well, Alright, do we want to they're not that good at killing things? Well yeah, all right. how if you well, yeah, because we don't have a suppressor. So we have the rust. But if there oh, is yeah, sorry, target, the should be a suppressor. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that's why there we go. Yep, okay. Uh, but you have both types of debuffs uh, with your with your jacks, so you should be able to, uh, I guess, whatever you want them to go into with those first, and then hopefully they you know they end up being. If you can, you can also transmutate those guys, which is very good for them because they need it. You know, yeah. so they're fifteen fifteens then with because they don't have Pathfinder gives them Pathfinder, and then you know it also makes them power fourteen base. So about fourteen to sixteen to eighteen. Yeah, that's all good stuff. So that's that's quite good. Uh, and then they have two attacks. I mean, it could be could be worse. So mm-hmm. yeah. All right, we've done it. Ship it. You can also, I reckon, cut right. one of the units of failed experiments because you hate fun, and also because you want to flexible up, make an, a unit of ass troopers, and then take the mechanic with the one point because sure. why not? Uh, power sixteen. All right, uh, not eighteen. Ship it. All right, next faction. <laughs> no, I can pick a faction, yeah. but... What do you mean? I'm, what? We already dealt with Kator like four times. Okay, fair enough. There's three Kator players in the chat, so... You know. Yeah, exactly. It's a bit... It's going to be biased. That's yeah. why we're trying deliberately not to do Kator. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you guys all dojo other factions? Well, I'm going to wrap it up here tonight. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for being on, boys. I'm just going to end the recording. Um, join us on Patreon <laughs> if you want to join our next screen board and all that shit. Uh, uh, thanks, Dark Guidance Boys, for being on. Thanks, Nigel. I'm going to end the recorder. We can keep chatting or whatever. Uh, thanks bye. for having us. Yeah, that no, was sweet. fun. Thanks, man. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for allowing us to indulge in some self torture. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, it was a good time. You know, we're gonna have to. I just, I'll, I'll make, I'll have Steve give me the editing song. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. All right. Uh.
That's how we record. And his name uh, is yes. Craig? <laughs> yep. Yep, Craig is listening in on us. Hey, Craig, cut it out. <laughs> Knock it off, Craig. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, on. Um, so, Chris, we've just kind of been babbling here for a minute. No, You haven't played any events recently, have you? Uh, I played, oh, actually. did? A couple, oh, did? and then, yeah. Oh. I, funnily enough, I had to 2 0 drop. <laughs> Because I had work that night. And oh, I was yeah, also like, oh, it's going to be an clash. uneven number of winners. So Dream fuck it. Mm. <laughs> Keith. Ah, it was fine. That's beast. I, I like that. Do it. <laughs> but yeah, not as much as I'd like, but that's why I'm like trying to get as quick games I can in. No, for sure. Do you play a lot on the war table, Brian, or not? Almost never. I don't think I've no. no. That's that hard line never. Have not done that. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. No, no, it's fine. I was just, I waffled there and then realized there was no point in waffling. I had never done it. <laughs> so like, it's like not a, not a question of whether, oh, I can't, maybe it was no, 100% I've not. <laughs> I only tried Tabletop Simulator for the first time like a month or two back, so. Wow, all right. <laughs> what did you do during lockdown then? Uh, you know, traditional... Video games, reading books, reading stuff like that. What I would uh, have done? Hobby. I see that. Building go. models. Get a call. Not, not, not any painting because oh. that would be too useful. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I go on a painting tirade, even though I'm terrible at it, but whatever. So. That's good. Yeah. I think I'm stuck in one of those like I don't want to start any projects. So I'm willing, unwilling to do anything with for anything. Yeah, fair so enough. It's just like oh, I like I want to do all these things, but I don't want to start doing any of these things because I don't want to commit to anything. And yep. it's like yep. Yep. okay, yeah, yeah. You you know, hobby. You, uh, I mean, we could bullshit for what? What's what's kind of the plan for the the evening or afternoon for you guys? Where you where do you live at? Me or Chris? Yeah, you. Chris, Chris and uh, I talk pretty much on a weekly basis. But <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah. obviously I mean, we're both in Sydney. Okay. Um, currently I live, I don't know, it's hard, to, like, unless you know Sydney, it doesn't, like, really make any sense. I have just, but, I, the, the, the city's enough for me. But, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. I mean, me and Chris used to play at the Sydney Town Hall store back in the day and then he would come and play games at Burwood which is my local store okay. and now both those communities are dead yeah oh, no. like not the communities themselves but the locations are no longer one is completely closed down and one moved locations and War Machine just never started back up because of uh, uh, space limitations and COVID like it was a yeah, double whammy it was all during COVID so like my local store closed down and never reopened during COVID. And then the oh, other man. store moved locations. And then due to COVID and lack of space, the community never really restarted. Oh. So now we're all playing down in Mordor or Mortdale, as we call it, at the Combat Company, which is an amazing store. And if there's any Australian listeners on here, I recommend buying any of your War Machine and Hordes purchases there because it's uh, actually good. the supplier of War Machine and Hordes for Australia. Oh, good. They're good people, and yes, I really should go there more. But like now, I've moved closer there as well. I could. So. Yeah, you have like no excuse. You live next to Frawl, and he's pretty much next door. 
Yeah. You, Crowley, Crowley house, doesn't work to... anywhere near as much as I do because he's like <laughs> he's got things sorted out. <laughs> did you uh, get your house situation sorted there, Chris? I did. Yes, and oh, actually, my house, my my room is looking way less like Boxtown right now, which is good. Feels well, good. You're not, you're not staying in Hyde Park anymore. Uh no. Okay, that's good. I am no longer staying. I'm no longer looking at staying at a youth hostel or like you know couch surfing against my pair, like against my friends and all that. You know, maybe you are next in line, Brian. We'll never know. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both on the WTC team, right? On one of them each, right? Separately, yeah, different ones. Oh, you're yeah. not on the same team. Nah. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> We got three going. I think we got three going. Um, I say I think because there's probably going to be some swaps and changes. Um, How is there? I have no doubt we'd be able to get at least like two teams going, and the third team shouldn't be a problem. Just you know. Oh, I'll I'll get my Australian passport one way or another, and I'll, <laughs> I'll fly there and join you. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> we you guys accept. People from the we, Netherlands in there, right? You know, we can so. invent a new state for you. It's fine. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now that that's sorted, I'm basically working on the tournament I'm meant to be running, which actually is basically all but done. I've just got to make sure people like show up. And sure. then, Have you got any more signups? Uh, I should check, but because you were I, like I, down. I don't know how many people listen from. I mean, I, I'd imagine some people just listen from Australia on here. So it's like you can pimp that shit as much as you want, buddy. You know, mm. If we do a full tilt podcast, you let me know, and I can like let you know we can do some kind of event thing. <clears throat> you live in Australia, and you're not on a team yet. Please sign up for OTC and find two friends to come with you. Yes, please do so. I could do with more signups. And anyone who is planning, I know they're planning. Fucking get your act together. Come on, where are you, Hato? Where are you? You're not on this list of mine. Come on, get in here. <laughs> <laughs> How many more teams do you need? Minimum. Uh, I'll need three more teams. So Obviously, I prefer more, but like, nine. Uh, it's nine people, and realistically, it'll probably be eight is fine because I'll just jump in myself. I make sure. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like, Tomo and uh, Froli are right. BCP does make running a tournament, generally speaking, quite a bit easier. Like, I don't, basically, because the list submission can just happen, the um, sorry, round submission can happen during the round as opposed to everyone coming to me and just like, what are their scores? Yeah, yeah. No, that's nice. It takes less oh, yeah, work off of you because phone, people. Right? Are... Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry about. No, no, it's, no, it's good. You, you said it exactly right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's super cool. So, like, I'll need a backup, so a backup probably, and I'll need to fix my laptop or fuck, maybe have to get a new one as a result. But yeah, Tomo runs it uh, off his phone. Hmm. That's a team's event. I just want something a bit more. Oh, like, that's true. That might be a bit easy. more. Honestly, like I mean, I could run it off my phone as well. I just want something easier to use. Sure. Yeah. Right on. All right. So, what are we talking about? Because you said list building in the last. I don't before. know. I was going to listen to their podcast because I wasn't on it and just shit all over their ideas because I thought that'd be funny. <laughs> what podcast? Oh um, my my the uh, my brother did. Full tilt with uh, McWaters and Nigel. They talked about like list building oh, okay. stuff and how they how they. And since they didn't it. invite any of us because they're dicks, we're going. Anyway, to we were just there. talking about look at this guy. 
Yeah, I'll look at this guy. Oh, he can tell us what happened. He was there. Nigel, what did you guys talk about on the last episode? We're going to completely shit on you guys. What did we talk about on the last episode of what? Full tilt. Oh, uh, we talked about uh, your love of Creed. (laughs) Oh, thanks, bud. (laughs) No, uh, what did we talk about? by the way. Hey, I'm gonna boot you out of this motherfucking. Hey, hey, wait. Let me say hi to the Australians. Welcome to you know. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, gentlemen. Yes. Thanks for having us. Joel, stealing my. I I hear you've been stealing my moves, like ranting. (laughs) (laughs) I have. I did. I was. I was. I was a wordy bastard. (laughs) <laughs> oh wow all right them spotting woods make <laughs> no i was i wasn't you know nothing yeah. against you. chris you ain't ranty chris you're loud chris no. the fact that i'm loud chris when we have several of the candidates is like it's a bit yes. impressive <laughs> you weren't the original loud chris you literally stole the title yeah Shit. I mean, that, yeah, like Affy, Affy is definitely ranty, Chris. <laughs> well, you got a bunch yeah. of Chris's in your guys' own Discord, so that's good, you know. Sorry, so should we intro? <laughs> so we can start. Sure. Oh yeah, how are we doing the intro for this one? <laughs> Whose cast know, is just, it? Uh, kick it off, bud. No, we'll just. <laughs> is this a game of whose cast is it anyway? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <clears throat> I don't know. I can I can intro it, I guess. Technically, dark guidance outnumbers everybody uh, two to one. Because mm. it's you got one full tilter and one muse. No, no, I, I, I've got it. I got oh, it. All right, okay. so I'll, I'll lead off, and I'll go lead off into Bri- uh So myself, my new co-host Jesse. Uh, <laughs> I'll, Jesse, we'll get Nigel, and I'll guest guest Brian. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> when was the last time we even casted Chris? Ah, uh, we, we did the a cast in January, cast. which yeah, the lost cast. Yeah, oh. Oh, fuck. We we need a. That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this is so that we'd actually get some freaking num- like you know actually get back in the swing of things. Yeah. Uh, real life, real life always finds a way. To dick you. Mm-hmm. At yeah, least like neither of us are teachers. I'll say as much. <laughs> well, and you and you live on a different time in a different. You live no, no. on the timeline of a different time zone <laughs> in the same space that I live in. Yeah, if it's that a- makes yeah. any sense. It sure does, because that's how it feels. Just like, you know, ships in the night. It's actually <laughs> frustrating, because I'm almost at a point where I could, like, do Friday games afterwards, but it's just awkward. Like, it, if Chris. the casino was right next to the game shop, fuck, easy. Not but, anymore. Yeah. Not anymore. Rest in peace. Alright, shall we start casting? Yeah. Do you want me well, to tell you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got an intro, <laughs> fine. God damn it! <laughs> Uh, 